Movie Sucktastic is a podcast about bad movies and the people that love them. But it's more than just a podcast. It's an, also an online presence. If you want to know more about Movie Sucktastic or want to become a part of Movie Sucktastic, you can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Twitter, at Movie Sucktastic. You can find our blog at boothreviews.blogspot.com. Or if you want to give your own reviews that we might use on the show, you can go to reviews.moviesucktastic.com and check out our, our own little lunch.com community for Movie Sucktastic. Check us out and become a part of the show because the only thing more fun than a bad movie is sharing it. Telling the truth can be bad news. Telling the truth can be bad news. Telling the truth can be tell, 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 telling the truth can be good news. Telling the truth is a bad idea. Telling the truth is a difficult problem. Telling the truth, telling the truth is a is a scary. Telling the truth is a scary predicament. Telling the truth is a bitter herb. Telling the truth is a dangerous tunnel. When you get out of that tunnel, it's a black life ahead. Forget herb. I never heard of a hit that had the word herb in it. Telling the truth is a dangerous thing. Dangerous. dangerous. Telling the truth can be dangerous. dangerous. What? Tell. Danger. Telling the truth can be dangerous. Telling the truth can be dangerous. Telling the truth can be dangerous business. Why? You're listening to Movie Sucktastic. I'm doing good, sir. Welcome, happy everybody, to another episode of Movie Sucktastic. Yes, this is going to be episode 44. 44. D- That's right. 11, 11 times 4. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, Throw out there. The, the, this episode, uh, Scott challenged me to Ishtar last week, and we're going to review that. Yes, um, yes. We're going to do the top ten as we always do. We are mm-hmm. going to review Attack the Block if we have time for it, because Ishtar was that fucking bad. And and surprisingly so, I must say. Uh, yeah. I I'm, I never really saw it. I saw bits and pieces here and there. Mm. And oh, Let's save it for the show, sir. Okay. What else are we doing? Um, well, let me see. I got my notes right here. Um, top tens? We're doing the top ten, and uh, that's going to be... We're recording a little late this week, so 
we didn't get to do the top 10 for the week previous, uh, even though there was two new films, which were Contagion and uh, Warrior. Yeah. So, um, but, you know, my, my biggest issue, my biggest issue isn't really doing the top 10. There was only two new films. So the fact that we didn't do them makes it a really repetitive top 10. But because we do this week's, there's, uh, let me see, there's one, two, there's four brand new films, plus we get to talk about Contagion and Warrior, so essentially we're covering six brand new films in this top ten. Oh, it's going to take forever. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, it, maybe. I'm not, I'm not even aiming for the for the 15 minutes this time. This is a lost cause. Maybe. All right. Um, and last weekend was September 9th through 11th, So, mm-hmm. but this weekend's top ten is September what is it uh, 16th 17th and 18th Cor- now uh, yeah. the, the only thing you know I uh, we went out to dinner last night and uh, we we shared a dessert <laughs> yes we did I did wear my wedding ring so uh, uh, you look like a home wrecker I I had my wing ring on too not uh, your not a wedding ring no not a wedding ring it was no. a ring yeah um and also, also I, I have to point out that Joey was nice enough to take me out to uh, TGIFs and I then proceeded to spend the entire uh, dinner bitching about TGIFs and everything they stand for, and like everything down to the layout of the building construction. So, oh yeah, <laughs> it, was, it was a it was a birthday dinner. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, kind of. You know, thank you. You're welcome. Yeah, Any, I, anytime. I, I turned 30, 38 next week. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm I'm old. Nah. I'm old. I, I'm old because I talk to people about films. Oh yeah, this film. Like you talk to people like in their twenties, late twenties, early thirties, even. Like, what film? I'd never heard of that. Oh, yeah, no. yeah. Well, yeah. It's 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 inevitable. It's gonna happen. I, I I hope that because of the film collection that I have and will continue to have and grow through the years, that my son, he won't be that way. He'll at least. I I will have everything for him. Sure. And when somebody says, "Hey, I saw this movie," and he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, but that but shouldn't be in his vocabulary. He doesn't need it now because these the kids today are spoiled rotten. When you and I were growing up, we're the first generation to have cable television. We were the first generation to have non-commercial films yep. in our houses day and night. We were the first generation to grow up like say, "Oh, I'm bored today. What movie is on?" And watching full-length films without commercial interruptions. This is true. I mean, this is I'm, completely I, you know, true. We were talking the other night. I remember when HBO wasn't even twenty-four hours. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was. It was maybe half of the day. Yeah. Uh, they were doing polka festivals and documentaries, and that was really it. When they showed yeah. The Godfather, they showed it with intermissions. Can you fuck it? A three-hour movie. Right. A three-hour yeah. movie had intermissions, and we, nowadays, yeah. it three-hour film. Yeah, you're talking the norm in some instances. Yeah, I mean, I mean, when we were kids, uh, like Star Wars was in the theater three or four times because people would go. Yeah, it was the only t- only chance you got to see it. Yep. You when you wanted to see a film, it wasn't oh, when we wait and you know, we'll wait till it comes out on video. They didn't even have home video yet until the uh, late was it late '80s? What is it? Uh, no, no, no. Home I don't want to get into that. No, it's it's because it, you're wrong again. <laughs> I don't. A uh, video uh, late. Late seventies, early eighties. It didn't, it didn't really. Become, it didn't start to take off until mid eighties, early eighties, early eighties. Yeah. I remember having a, a membership 
at a video store in North Ar- North Arlington in 1982. Right, but even then, yeah. but even then, it, you didn't have well back then. Yeah, I mean, we, one we, side of the store was beta, the other side was VHS. Right, and you had to pay like a hundred bucks to to get a membership or fifty yeah. bucks. And when you did, they didn't they didn't have a vast catalog yet, so you had a choice of like fifty to a hundred movies, half of them softcore porn. This is yeah, no, yeah. you're right. I, I, mean, so, I so yeah, so back then, I mean, I remember I remember renting uh, Fritz the Cat, thinking it was a cartoon for me. <laughs> you no, know, I mean, it's just, and now, I mean, back. If you go back to like high school years, I, you and I would go to conventions and pay twenty dollars, uh, or more per, per videotape or more for grainy, no subtitle bootlegs of Jackie Chan films because you couldn't get them anywhere. Absolutely. Now you can go on Netflix streaming. Res- oh, I'll get this one with subtitles. It is at oh, your fingertips now. Right, uh, literally, you get you. W- these kids can get these movies that we were, you know, we had to go th- jump through hoops to get you know illegal copies of kids are watching them on their phones now oh yeah they have no concept and it's just it's it's mind-boggling and that's how old we are sir there was uh there was a list that came out not that long ago of um things that this generation will never have to deal with and it was things like uh uh the roll down windows manual Uh windows it's like they don't do those anymore so when my son gets his car there will be even more things on that list that he'll never have to deal with, and mm-hmm. uh, VHS was is on the list because yeah. they stopped making those. I mean, it just goes to show when enough time passes, you know, things like that are just inevitable. And yeah, okay. yeah you could say we're getting old, but I mean, we're not old I by am. the general. <laughs> I am by the general definition of the term. I'm old, but we've lived long enough. That we've seen enough films and we've been through enough uh, um, world experience. Becoming an old man because we go, we go out to eat and I spend the whole time. And what's with the decorations here? What's up? With, <laughs> and how come they don't? And and look, look, they're bottlenecking at the kitchen. There's a door there. Why is the door there? They can't even do their job properly. What's the deal here? I, I'm I'm becoming an old man very quickly. <laughs> I'm enjoying it. So and a bitter old one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so anyway, to get back to the top ten. Oh, and, and one other thing that uh, our children will never have to deal with, Ishtar, because it's still not available on DVD. And we'll get into that. Yeah. We'll get into that when we review it. Right. Um, uh, last week, there was uh, two movies that didn't even make the top ten, but I want to bring them up. Oh, but I'm sorry. Or, I'm gonna, or three I'm films, gonna... I should say, that didn't make the top ten that I want to just bring them up briefly. I'm going to interrupt you, sir. Okay. Before we get into the top ten stuff, because one thing I do want to mention, too while we're still annoying people, is we're hoping to cover the Exotica Expo again this year. Yes, this November 4th, 5th, and 6th, I believe. Yes, yes. Now, last year, we, we found out last minute about it inside of the go. We emailed them, said, can we get press passes? And we, I got an email back that said no. Uh, so, yeah. Just no. Yeah, the, the website was just just a little over a year old. Uh, our numbers have probably quadrupled since then. we got a much bigger followership. And, uh, and so now we're in negotiations to get press passes to get in there and uh, and interview some more starlets and get some more YouTube well, footage. Even without the press passes, we did get to interview, uh, I think, three or four porn stars. And yeah, but, but they, they, were, they, pass, were, they were great. No, they were. But with a press pass, we'll, we'll be able to get access to more the bigger names. Of course. And, and ask them uh, film-related questions. Right. And you know what? I bet that they would want to talk to us because it's not about, oh, what was the biggest dick you ever took in your ass? 
Right. You know, it's not going to be... And yes, that's their business. That's what they do. And mm. that's the questions they'll get asked. And that's the questions that they'll answer. But when we interviewed Julia Ann, and it was a movie question, she was our best interview that day. Oh, she had answers. And, yeah. and not only did she give us a film that she was that she absolutely hated... Which film she, was that, sir? The Fifth Element. That's right. And she told us exactly why. It was a perfect interview for that. Right. And But the difference is, if with a press pass... We'll be able to get interviews with, like, say, the Avatar porn chick who we would have had to pay to even, like, take a picture of. Oh, I think... Uh, we Normally. Have a, it's in the montage, but there's a quick video of her saying, uh, pictures are $5, and you were like, ooh, and oh. then I cut to the next video. <laughs> I'm not interested. Yeah. <laughs> and and I, I would have just said, yeah, right, and took a picture anyway because, you know, you're standing there and I can take a picture of you, but the three large men standing behind her persuaded me to just walk away yeah with arms uh, larger than your head yes so uh so yeah we're definitely going to cover the exotic expo i'm looking yes. forward to that should be fun um so, so stay tuned there and if you have any suggestions on what we should ask the starlets uh oh please email us i, I personally am of the opinion at the moment that we should ask them if they like the serbian film <laughs> or you know what if, even if they've just heard of it and then if they've seen it and it and did they like it yeah, there you go. It would be interesting to get a a porno star's take on a film That's what about I mean. porn. That's no, what I, I mean, no, no, yeah. no, I know where you're going with it, but yeah. you're right. I think that would be very interesting. Mm -hmm. So, but uh, yeah, very cool. We're going to do the Exotic Expo, and uh, again, I'm looking forward to it, as I know you are. And if you guys do have questions, uh, or if you want questions for us to ask email us at the movie guys at moviesucktastic.com or better yet leave us voicemail at 908-514-4470 all right um now the two films oh and if you want more information on the exotica expo um i have no w website for that so never mind i think mind. it's ex it's exotica with three x's.com is that what that is i'll double or, check that while you're or talking. exotica with three x's expo.com I'll check that while you're talking. If you do a Google search, it'll come right up. So I'm doing while you're talking. Uh, uh, yeah. Go. <laughs> Go. 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 All right, real quick. Uh, the two films. ExoticaExpo.com. E-X-X-X-O-T-I-C-A-E-X-P-O.com. And that's what I said. And so. they're, hit, they're hitting Miami Beach, Chicago, Los Angeles, and New Jersey. And we'll, we will be covering the New Jersey one because Los Angeles is too far of a commute. And that's coming up in November on the weekend of November 4, 5, and 6. Okay, I was right on that, too. Very hey. neat. I like being right. <laughs> All right, there's three movies that came out last week that didn't even crack the top are we, 10. Oh, are we doing the top 10 now? Yeah. Okay, just checking. Um, the, and <laughs> the three film. I mean, all three of these films were on enough screens except for one that should have cracked the top 10. Uh, they didn't? No, coming in at number twenty nine is that what? is and the wanna, film. What? And we're talking about them briefly. Uh, just briefly. Okay, I'm sorry. Just I'm not going to go from twenty nine to one. No, just very very briefly. I was looking and, at the Exotica site and I got distracted. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, tell me about it because we <laughs> no, could have been done with this part. <laughs> that's well, you know. Yeah, true. Uh, number twenty nine is the film Creature, and it was on fifteen hundred screens. Uh, and only made three hundred and twenty-seven thousand dollars. Creature, I, okay. Yeah, creature. We talked about it briefly. Um, we talked about it because it was uh, one of the films that was coming out. 
Oh, oh yeah, it's got Fred Andrews in it. Or uh... he's uh, is it Fred Andrews? Let's see. I have the, my copious notes here. Uh, yes. Sid Haig. Sid Haig. Sid Haig and Fred Andrews. Yeah, Sid Haig is the is the is the clown from uh, House of a Thousand Corpses. Cor yes, that yes. is correct. And uh, Tracy Morse. Fred and this, Andrews directed the film. And this this is the one that, that looks horrible, and it's got the the main villain look is looks like uh like a pumpkin carved into venom. Yeah, no, that's uh, exactly what it looks like. But the only reason I'm bringing it up is it was on 1,500 screens <laughs> and made $327,000. <laughs> it just. And the I don't, budget I don't was know. $3 million. $3 million. <laughs> now, the. That's great. That's, the, I mean, you get the films where they can't even get it released. They have like 500 screens, and then they call it a bomb. Because this film was on 1,500 screens, and, and America as a whole said, no. No, thank you. <laughs> it doesn't even have an IMDb rating yet. No, People didn't yet. even bother rating it. Like, yeah, whatever. Uh, and the, the next film that was new was Bucky Larson, Born to be a Star. Now, that was also on 1,500 screens. And made one point four million, yeah. and that came in at number fifteen. Have you seen the trailer for that? Oh, it's awful. It, it's Adam Sandler should should lose one of his legs. I, I I mean I think sometimes what it is you get these comedians or, or comedic actors and they're so they're so not not they're not far removed enough from the joke, right? To to understand how how it's not funny anymore maybe it's i don't know no it's it's terrible like like i i with this guy in particular uh what's his name swanson swanson nick swanson he, I nick, nick yes yeah, so is it swanson or swarsden could be swarsden i think it's swarsden um it's jackass i mean the problem is is like yeah he does these characters that he gets i think he didn't he do one on uh reno 911 yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and it's it's like they get they get these characters and they 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 love the characters and the characters are kind of funny and then they they just they just beat it to death. Oh yeah. Over and over again. And this Nick this this uh what was the name of this one? Uh, Bucky Larson, born Bucky. to be a star, where he, he wants to be a porno star because he finds out that his parents were porno stars. Yeah, and it's just the whole thing of like the idiot trying to get into uh, these films were the idiots the star. Yeah. Wearing, they've always worn thin. It's hard to do. Yeah, I'm with you on on, on Bucky. But uh, the the reason I'm bringing it up, yes, is uh, remember when we were talking about little Fockers with the the blackmail nurse, mm -hmm. and I said he's a famous comedian. I just didn't remember his name. Yeah. Well, he had a stand up uh, movie, much like Eddie Murphy Raw, which is one of the last ones that came out. Uh, he had a stand up movie that came out uh, called Kevin Hart. Laugh at my pain. That made 1.9 million on 98 screens. It beat Bucky wow. Larson on, on 98, 98 screens. screens. Now, uh, and even on 98 screens, the demographic for it is obviously uh, probably mostly urban areas. Right. But but even with that, what was that per screen? Um, twenty thousand per screen. Shh. Which what, what beats was, the number one movie. What was Creature per screen? $217. <laughs> What's the breakdown of that? Where's my calculator? How, how many tickets is that? That's like 20 people for the whole weekend, isn't that, roughly? Uh, it's pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> 
There's like 20 to 20, 20 to 30, 30 people tops if they got like matinee showings in there or anything. Right. Or, t- or coupons. Just, <laughs> just to give you an idea, um, the Kevin Hart film with $20,000 per screen making 1.4, 1.9 that's the most per screen for the whole weekend. That's every film released uh, last weekend. Mm-hmm. No movie made more per screen than that movie. There you go. I mean, that, that's I mean, the number one movie, Contagion, made twenty-two million, and it did seven thousand per screen. So, a little, a little better than Creature. Just a little. Yeah. <laughs> Not by much. Just a little. Okay, so that's all I wanted to bring up, just apparently, because it, it's fun to make fun of those movies. Apparently, Creature was on a lot of finger lists. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh huh. And, and I'm gonna get the movie poster too. It's got the we got the black guy, the hot chick, the monster, and Sid Haig. <laughs> and we will watch it, and we will review it. Oh God, yes. <laughs> I'm surprised it's not uh, being stolen on the internet right now. <laughs> I think the first review on IMDb is like one star. Is, I've always been a fan of fun and bl- a fan of blood, gore, and guts. And then it, it, obviously it goes downhill from there. Right. <laughs> I'm also a fan of writing, you know, and uh, I and don't sleeping. <laughs> I, I do enjoy sleeping. No, I mean, yeah, never mind. Yeah, I know where you're going. Yeah, yeah. Just I was just, out. I was just contributing. Just ruining that for me. Okay. Uh, sorry about that. Up my toes. No, what's up? So, so is that all, you just wanted to touch base on I, that? I just wanted to make fun of those. That's all. I wanted to show how uh, a, a stand-up comic like Kevin Hart, who's very popular, has a film and talented, obviously. Yeah. Uh, who, who has a film? come out on 98 screens <laughs> and totally kick the shit out of two movies that technically I think what is it a thousand screens or more is considered a wide release uh, I don't know what the cutoff is I, I think it's a thousand screens yeah it's probably around so there. yeah 98 screens what, 90, what, 98 screens is definitely art house release yeah yeah so I just wanted to bring that up because I thought it was funny I, I agree, sir. I, honestly, every time I look at the poster for Creature, I can't. <laughs> you can't help but laugh. I, I need to see this. <laughs> anyway, what top ten this week? Top ten, uh, September sixteenth, seventeenth, and eighteenth. Now this is projected, uh, right? These are projected, but these are based off of Friday and Saturday nights estimates. So they're, so they're going to be pretty accurate. They're going to be pretty accurate. So, uh, the number 10 film is Columbiana with 2.5 million on the weekend, 33 million total. Um, again, I think this movie, uh, what's the number? I think it, it costs 40 million. Uh, let's see. Yes. 40 million. So, you know, here in America, it, it'll make its money back. I'm not. Columbiana. Yeah, I'm not even going to even talk about it, to be honest. We've covered it so many weeks yeah. in a row now. Yeah, action film, generic action film, hot chick. All right, it's worth seeing. You know. Yeah, no, it's... It, you're right, it's... it's doesn't, a very, look, doesn't look bad, doesn't bring anything new to the table, but who cares, it's entertainment. Right, it's a very simple plot. So. Yeah. Uh, number nine film is Rise of the Planet of the Apes with $2.7 It's made $171 million. It's cost 93 now again, we've talked this film to death. Yeah. So, uh, not going to really elaborate more on it. It's just CGI pass. monkeys. Yeah. So pass CGI, CGI monkeys. Right. Uh, and uh, no, the number eight film, which is new last week, and we didn't talk about it yet, is the film Warrior. 
Um, yeah. So that made three million this weekend, and it's made ten million so far. So Do not have a budget. So Although it's, it's gonna it's gonna be a low budget. So it's basically a, a two hour oh, like uh, twenty five million. Yeah, it's UFC stuff and UFC. I know you don't really watch it. I'm not that I don't watch it. I do watch some of it. It's better than boxing. It's more entertaining than boxing, and it's just it's becoming more popular every single year. It's just more and more and more popular. So it was only, I guess, it was only a matter of time before they decided to make a film about it. And I don't think this is the first film to be about it, but it's the first one to, I guess, be made well. Let's put it that way. Well, it's got the, the director's got stuff under his belt. I'm, I'm honestly, I'm not impressed by him. And it's got uh, Tom Hardy in it, who I love. Yeah, I mean, he is—he's the guy that played Bronson in the film Bronson. Mm-hmm. I don't, yeah, I don't know good. if you've seen it yet. That was a great movie. Uh, he was in Inception. Um. And he's also going to be Bane in the new Batman film, The Dark Knight Rises. Yeah, and the, the writer director, he's got like a lot of, he's got you know some TV stuff under his belt, and uh, he did some film. He, you know, he's got some, he's got a Sundance film, and he did Miracle, so he's got the sports angle going for him. And and I loved Miracle. Yeah, you would. It's because yeah. you're a hockey freak. Hey, um, hey. Or or as the guys at uh, OTC say, hockey, hockey. Um. <laughs> uh. Yeah, I, I got nothing for this. It's your typical date film that's that's gonna make decent money because all the guys want to go watch, you know, uh, the homoerotic uh, stage fighting or whatever, right. and all the girlfriends get to go and watch guys ten times hotter than their boyfriends. <laughs> you may be right. Yeah, no, I, 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 okay. Okay. All right. Moving on. The number seven film is The Debt with three point one million. Uh, in its third week, it's made 26 so far. Mm-hmm. And that one, let's see, what did that one cost? That one cost $20 million, So that one's in the green. Uh, I do want to see this. I uh, My wife actually went out to the to the movies tonight. She ended up going to see Contagion. But it was, a, it was back and forth between this film, The Debt, and Contagion. They all decided to see Contagion, which I think is the better choice. But we'll talk about that when we get to that. Really? You don't think The Debt, they went to see The Debt? No, they went to see Contagion. Don't you think that's a better choice than The Debt? Uh, yeah. The I Debt think looks con- interesting. I mean, I, looks- no, no, it does. It absolutely does. But I think, I think Contagion. I just think Contagion is going to be a real good film. Really? Be- yeah, because the. Well, we'll talk about it when we get to it. Well, then stop talking about it. Okay. Uh, so the number six film is the Sarah Jessica Parker Parker film. I don't know how she does it. Uh, neither with, do I. With $4.5 million, I'm so happy that it's going to be out of the top 10 probably next week. Um, it's And it's in its first week. Now... I don't know how she does it either. And what I mean by that is I don't know how this horse-faced, talentless wench has, <laughs> has managed to become like the sex symbol of... She's the ugliest... She's the hottest, ugliest chick. They're my no, favorite. She's the ugliest, hottest chick ever. Let's put it that way. There's a scene in Ed Wood where she plays Ed Wood's uh, girlfriend. Right. In the beginning of the film, and the opening of the movie, they're reading bad reviews for his stage play, and they're all reading them silently, and they keep looking up, like uh, quoting bad passages from the reviews, and she looks up from the review and says, "Do, do I really look like a horse?" 
And you know, I'm in a theater. Yes, yes, you do. And and for some reason, the rest of the country is not following this. No. And sex, no. You know, Sex in the City. How long did that go on? How oh, does she God, become too long? Seven or eight seasons. In, in, and especially in a, in a culture where objectivism, object the objectivism of objectivism. I think that's the right word of I women. Think you're right. Uh, just just treating women as sex objects. How does she become the like the 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 new high point or watermark I, I, for I I, re- I I really don't know it, it irritates the, the living and, shit and out of me we we talked a little bit about it at dinner last night but it's basically another rich people with problems film she's a mom of uh, two or three kids and she's got a job she's uh, you know doing the kids and she's got a i think greg kinnear's her husband but i don't i'm not sure he i know he's a love interest and it's just just Stop it already. More rich people's problems. And it's in New York City, and you know... Yeah, right, more rich people problems. And one of the things that I noticed, because uh, ABC News did a, a quick review of it, she addresses the screen throughout the film. Everything behind her pauses, and she talks to you right at the... Sc- and it, it's it's one of those... Uh, the reviewer, which I don't like, uh, Sandy Kenyon, but he pointed out very cleverly... I've seen this before, <laughs> uh, referring to Sex in the City. Um, and he's right. It's like the film is just a complete rehash of that. So yeah. don't really have anything else to add to it. Just you know, when, when, Groucho Marx, movie. When, when Groucho Marx talks to the screen and everybody stops moving, it's, it's good. Right. And, and that's, that's where it begins and ends. Leave it little Groucho. Yeah. Groucho and maybe Ferris Bueller. Ferris Bueller. Yeah, I could... Sure, and she's married to Ferris Bueller, so I think she thinks she inherited the right to do it. And this is based on a novel. Oh, it is? Yeah, I don't know how she does it. Uh, the Life of Kate Reddy, Working Mother. Uh, and it, it's one of these self-absorbed, uh, oh, I'm a businesswoman and I juggle kids in a business. How do I do it? You know, just, just one of these things where... Because uh, you, know, you have money. How, the how, end. It's about the successful businesswoman that also raises a family, and how does she juggle both? Says so how and I have no sympathy. Yeah, I know how you do it because you have a good job and, and you can you can make things work because there are people out there, there are women out there working three jobs trying to raise their children while deadbeat dads are like skipping skipping town, leaving them carrying the bag. And they manage working three jobs and raising their kids in public schools without de- you know, without having any kind of resources available to them at all. Yeah, exactly. I, I know how you do it. You lucked out. You, yeah. You, yeah, you, 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 you managed to raise a family. Congratulations. Everybody did. Shut up. <laughs> uh, this, 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 op- this Oprah fucking feel good about... Uh, 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 let's, let's move on. Because let, me, let, if- let me just say, I, I never read the book either, so it, it might be a good book for all I know, but I'm tired of this shit. <laughs> Moving on. The number five film is the remake of Straw Dogs, coming in at $5.5 million. In I its need, first week. I need to see this because I need to know whether I hate it or not. Yeah, the reviews uh, are actually pretty positive. Don't trust them. No, I know. I um, do not trust them. And you know what's funny, too? The They show the commercial with the raves. Huh? Uh, Jeff Craig, 60-second uh, review. I think it's a 60-second review. Well, anyway, he's he's pretty famous movie reviewer. Uh-huh. And... He just he gave it a four star review, saying it's uh, you know shocking and, and intense and uh, so. But so was the original, you know what I'm saying? The last half an hour. Well, yeah, 
I mean, and, and you know, maybe they'll fix the pacing a bit. I mean, it was that was Peck and Paul's weak point that you can't deny. He had his pacing was a bit slow. I mean, it's a classic. Yeah, it's an absolute classic. I mean, and pacing the slow pacing works for some films. It kind of works for Straw Dogs, but I and I like I, said, I have not seen it. I guarantee they took out the whole protecting the child molester uh, storyline. I can almost I'm, guarantee that. I'm sure of it. Yeah, I'm sure of it. But uh, nowadays they. You never know. The violence could be a little bit more intense. Here's one problem I have with it. Okay. The 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 Dustin Hoffman character in the new right. film. Yes. They changed it from a mathematician to a screenwriter. Oh, did they really? Yeah. And there's anything that irritates me more is is Hollywood filmmakers in their films. Yeah. Oh, I'm a screenwriter. It's that whole rate which you know shit. It just shows how how disconnected Hollywood and the people that make films, made bigger films, how disconnected they get from the rest of the world that they can't even relate to somebody that like teaches math or you know or studies something. It's like, oh no, let's just make them a writer. Let's make them an actress. Let's make them a business person since Hollywood's a fucking business. And it just shows this real disconnect. You're right, and it, it it bothers me. So and it, it's it's and it's an easy way out too. Yeah, I would I I would have never thought to have made him a, a screenwriter. And I mean, and having him as a mathematician makes more sense when you're well, dealing because, with because well, well because you, well because what he ends up doing in the film at the end is very, you know, for lack of a better word, calculating. Yeah, he knows exactly what he's doing, exactly when to do it, exactly how to do it. But even better. And I think this this goes more along the lines of what Peck and Paul was trying to do, was when you make him a screenwriter, what you're getting is okay. I'm going from cerebral to reactionary. Right. But with a mathematician, you you're taking it one step farther. You're going from the logical, rational, intellectual. It's not just oh I'm a thinking man and you're not. It's I I'm I'm living on a realm of of absolutes and logic. And then he deals with people that aren't dealing with logic. They're dealing with just this kind of animal instinct. Right. And he's forced to resort to that animal instinct and, and, and abandon the logical, the rational. With the screenwriter, you just get that more elitist separation. Yeah. And no, that's, it, it, again, without having seen the film. Yeah. But. I, I, I do say that, uh, or I have said that the trailer looks looks very, like, eerily similar to the first now, uh a remake. Well, just because, oh, well, ahead, just, ahead, yeah, it's a re- just because. Uh, it, even though it's modern day, it's out in the countryside. It's a more, it's a barren, uh, it's a less populated area, much like the first film. Uh, the it's got the locals are not dumb, but it's just they're they're very well, local and less, yeah, it's just uneducated. That which doesn't mean stupid, but uneducated, less right. sophisticated. And and but and also they they live on a more um, they live on a, a less uh, sheltered right and it was sh- in a less sheltered world which is true but by making this guy a screenwriter instead of a mathematician you're you're it, it there's still an elitism with a mathematician because you still have that kind of like Harvard elite versus the working man yeah but with having him as a screenwriter you're you're adding a different barrier to it and I I, I without having seen the film I feel like it changes the dynamic slightly now talk about a remake that hangs on to that dynamic have you seen have you finally seen the remake to uh last house on the left not last house on the left um i spit on your grave i haven't yet it is awesome is it really good holy shit 
Uh, talk about 150% improvement on the original. And the original is a classic, but it's still exploitational and it's still like, you know, shot on a shoestring budget. Right. It's still the same concept. Female writer goes out to the woods to, to, for like a little writer's retreat, gets viciously raped, and then seeks vengeance. Exacts, yeah, exacts revenge. But, but this one is just, it's, dude, it is like the best exploit 70s exploitation remake in modern day I've seen. It doesn't pull any punches. It goes even further. Really? And here's the best part. You know how the original, the poster says, uh, this this woman kills five men. But yes. in the movie, it was only three. Yeah. They actually fix that, and they make it five men in the movie. <laughs> I was like, oh, I can't believe they're doing this. This is great. <laughs> and now in, in, in the uh, original movie poster, it says she, she burns, tortures, mutilates, and like does all this stuff. And she did like half of that in the film. They get all that in, too. They actually made the poster not a lie. Wow. It is. And, and and what was interesting about it is the film kind of came and went. It didn't even go theatrical as far as I know. May you might know have why? just done it might have just done LA and New York, which would allow us to review it on I'll tell, uh, you, I'll tell you exactly why it didn't go theatrical. They never would have gotten an R. Oh really? If they if they had cut out So it's kind of like the Funny Games remake? Well, cuz that didn't uh that that kind of disappeared. That just no one even heard about it. It's too and brutal. It hasn't even premiered on cable yet. It's too harsh. This the the, the I spit on your grave remake. I'm not sure if there's an R-rated version available. I didn't check because I I don't even I never watch R-rated versions. I hope not. But if there is an R-rated version, they did it just to get release, like along with the unrated. Okay. It, an R-rated version of this film would not hold the impact. And not even just from a violence and gore situ- standpoint, but from a rape scene standpoint. Okay. I might, oh, it's I, that bad. You know what? I might have even... I think that... I, if I'm correct, if I remember correctly, I think I read while I was watching it, I did my research, I think that they submitted it and the MPA told them that they shouldn't cut it for an R because it would lose the impact. That the cuts they would need to make an R would, would detract from the film. Wow. If I remember correctly. Yeah, like the MP actually said, you know what? We don't want you to cut this. Just take it because it would be a lesser movie. The MPAA actually said that? That's that's what I read, if, if I remember correctly. All right. It, it is. Uh, I, I cannot recommend it enough. I'm going to have to put that at the top of my list now. Awesome. I'm going to have to put it at the top. Yes, you do. All right. Uh, the number you, four. F- uh, what? You, no, so, so, you will just be laughing with joy through the whole <laughs> film. It is revenge film done so right. Anyway, Excellent. sorry. Well, yeah, and then the thing is, uh, when I acquired the film, when it first came out, uh, we were going to watch it together, but, you know, we ended up hanging out, and, and we just didn't end up seeing it. Right. And that was a year ago. Uh-huh, yeah. So, it just, it's been forthcoming so much. Put, All right. Put the, put it, put I Spit on Your Grave, the new one, on your Halloween list this year, and if you're listening. I mean, or if you're not listening, don't. Which makes no sense, right? Right. So, to all our listeners, put it on your Halloween list. It is it is a must see. Yeah, uh, Halloween night. Uh, the misses and I we always do uh, after we put the, the kid to bed. Of course, we do a uh, marathon of of horror flicks, and we we either get takeout or we'll do uh, finger foods. Just fun stuff. You know, we just love hanging out in front of the TV make and sure, watching horror m- films all night. Make sure your list includes "I Spit in Your Grave," the new one or the old one, and "Trick or Treat." I, you know what? Uh, it's I haven't seen that either, and it's it's also it, highly recommended. Yeah, I I'm not putting it off any longer. I'm gonna watch it for Halloween this year. And if you accidentally rent the old uh, 81 Trick or Treat, that one's good too. I like that one. I always did. That's what I'm saying. You, so even if you make a mistake, you're still good. There you go. 
Sorry, I, I got a tangent there. What's up? That's okay. Uh, number four is the film The Help in its sixth week with 6.5 million. It's made 147 so far. Mm-hmm. So, like I said last week, uh, this film is just taking off. It's just week after week. It just keeps making money. Uh, I, I, I'm calling it now. I, I fully expect some sort of Oscar nominations for mm-hmm. it. Uh, come Oscar time. Don't know exactly what it might do because there's 10 nominations for Best Picture now. You never know. Yeah. But it's definitely going to be nominated somewhere. At that, the, is a, that is a guarantee. At the very least for a costume because it's kind of a period piece or writing. I would say Best Adaptive Screenplay. Absolutely. Yes, yeah. Maybe even Actress for Emma Stone. Possibly, yeah, she, maybe. She's a decent actress. Uh, and I, Jim Carrey seems to like her. Oh, <laughs> Uh, all right, the number three film uh, is brand new uh, in its first week is Drive with Ryan Gosling, uh, coming in at eleven million. I I kind of caught the trailer for that. Does that look any good? It does. And what, what is I he? Think, he's he's just he's just a getaway guy. It seems that way, uh, and it's not like it's not like a tran. It shouldn't be like a transporter. Uh, I believe what he, I think you hit it right on the head. He's a he's a getaway guy. Uh, oh, here we go. You... Here we go. I got it. A Hollywood right. stunt performer who moonlights as a wheelman discovers that a contract has been put on him after a heist gone wrong. Ah. So it's one of those race for your life kind of things, and he's an ex- he's a stunt driver. So there you go. Well, uh, well, I like Ryan Gosling, and yeah, he's okay. Even going all the way back to the real shitty uh, film with Sandra Bullock called Numbers. Uh huh. Remember that one? Yeah, I remember that. Well, the film wasn't that good, but he was one of the shining moments in that film. He was just really, really good in the movie, and even though it was a bad film. And ever since that point, he's just more... I mean, The Notebook is really what set him off yeah. as far as an actor goes. Yeah. Uh, what are you going to do? But he was also... A, even though I didn't like that movie, I got suckered into watching that by my wife. Uh, I like him. I think he's a good actor. Yeah, he's in and, that he's in that crazy stupid love thing too. So he's he's yeah. definitely your your hottie actor. The Lars know? and the Real Girl, which is yeah. an interesting idea. So I think just based on his credits as an actor, uh, I think if he you know if what? he looked at the script, it should be a good film. You know what? If he doesn't take his shirt off during the film, I'll I'll see it. <laughs> he's one of those actors that has you know. Oh, now he's one of those now. Yeah, he's, he's, Crazy Stupid Love is the first film where it's he's like that now. Right, but this I'm saying so he's become that kind of actor. So I I, I would like to avoid that. Well, it's interesting. Jason Spader. Yes. He was that actor for one movie. <laughs> Which one was that? That was um. <laughs> that was that uh, in outer space film. Um. Oh. Oh fuck! What the hell was it? Jason Spader uh, in outer space. Uh. It was um. Oh, I'll find it. Keep going. You're, you're looking it up. Okay. Yeah, what's the next one? He he was like completely ripped in that. I mean, to the point of where it's like, holy fucking shit. <laughs> and he was like that for that one movie, and that was it. <laughs> I just thought that was kind of funny. Um, it's the one with uh, what's his name? He was in. Um... I'll find. Are you gonna it. Are you going to be able to find it? Yeah, James Spader. I'll keep looking. I would have found it by now, but anyway. Well, I'm w- just supernova jackass. There yes, you go. That's the one. Yes, that's the one. That's what I thought it was too, but I wanted to double check because I haven't seen it in a while. Okay. Awesome yeah, you, film too. He, he, he was, he was that guy in that movie, and that was it. Isn't that's that's the one with the sun, right? Where they're trying the, to fix the sun. 
No, no, no. That's that's uh, Sunshine. That's Sunshine. What's Supernova? Which one was that? That's I'm trying to. Um, I don't that's think I've just, seen that one. That's just they get a, a passenger on board who doesn't seem to be who he really is. I've never seen they, that one. Really? Really, I have not seen it. Okay, so when you said it was good, you were thinking of Sunshine. I was thinking of Sunshine. Yeah, that no is a good this. film. Yeah, Sunshine's an excellent film. That's one of those ones that got bumped around because like the studio people didn't understand it. Yeah, it was too and, art housey to be like a real action film. And Danny Boyle hadn't won uh, Best Picture, because uh, f- he won Best Picture for uh, Slumdog Millionaire. Mm-hmm. If he had made that film after Slumdog Millionaire, not only would have it would have been a wide release, but it probably would have been su- successful as well. It would have because it's a well, very good film, well written, very good film. Yeah, it was really good. Uh, uh, Supernova, I'll have to check that out. Uh, the number two film uh, yes. in its second week is Contagion. With fifteen million, it's made forty-four. Cost sixty, and like I said, my wife actually went to go see this tonight, and she decided to see it over the film *The Debt*. Uh, and you know what it is? I think films like this, where I keep hearing how effective, because it's it's a virus movie, mm-hmm. and it's taking over, and, and it's just it's just an uh, an epidemic. Uh, which one is uh, worldwide? That's epidemic, right? Uh, pandemic? Ep- pandemic? I don't care. Oh, whatever. Well, I can anyway, look that up if you like. No, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> but from what I keep reading, it's supposed to be extremely effective, and it's just genuinely scary because it's not a you know oh jumping out at you kind of kind of film. It's that fuck this something like this happens, we're fucked. Okay, now now you you seem to think that's going to be a very good film, and you're kind of excited about it. Can can I weigh in on the uh, board out of my mind side of this? Sure. I, I've seen the trailer. It looks well made. It's probably it's well, uh, Steven Soderbergh. It, yeah, so it's probably well made. It's probably well written. You got a lot of great actors in it. A lot of Academy Award nominees and uh, winners. Yes. I mean Matt Damon. Uh, Matt Damon. Lawrence Fishburne. Elliot Gould. Uh, Jude Law. Yeah, I mean uh, Marion Cotillard. I just read that, so I'm I'm faking that. That's Marion Cotillard. Cotillard. <laughs> uh, don't know how to pronounce it. It's so a I'm foreign not, name. I'm not, I'm not going to. For- a foreign name. It was a foreign film. Kate Winslet's in there. I mean, so there's a lot of shit going on, but it's your typical virus movie. It's it's uh, yeah. the Andromeda strain. It's and I it's and outbreak. I like those. Yeah. I like those. But it's the same old wheeze over and over again. And I'm gonna. I need it's to. It's gonna be better than Outbreak. There's a there's a great spoiler trivia on IMDb about it that I have to read. Uh, for Contagion. So for Contagion, because I was looking at it when you mentioned it. Cause I, Do, am, am I gonna want to hear this? Uh, yeah, because I don't think it'll be. I don't think it's a spoiler for you. Okay. If anybody else thinks it's a spoiler, fast forward about two minutes. Okay. But in this, this sums it up for me. A scene where female virologist, a scene where a female female virologist injects herself with the vaccine, was reshot at suggestion of the consultant because her scientist character was inappropriately shown to be wearing tights. <laughs> two things about this bother me. One, they've got the female lead playing a scientist, and she's wearing fucking tights. <laughs> and two, great, so we have the scene where the scientist infects themselves with it, try to find the cure or to prove How many films have I seen that in? Yeah, there's a lot that do that. And I'm pretty sure I would have predicted that. Like, you, 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 see, but, you see it coming up. It's like, oh, and here comes the part where she infects But her. it's accurate. Apparently, there's a doctor, a German doctor, uh, who a few years ago injected himself with 
uh, the AIDS virus. Uh huh. He had his own serum that he said would cure the AIDS virus. Uh-huh. He injected himself with that, and he is symptom free, and has been ever since he's done it. Yet they they haven't used his serum or and it just you know what? I and I don't know it's all sp- it's what I've read I don't know if any of it's true but the fact that he injected himself with this to try and find a cure it's also accurate yeah, scientists do do that they've been known to do that it's been reported that it's been done so I, I'm a little more forgiving wonderful in the real world it's impressive as shit in a film <laughs> it's boring you're putting uh-huh. me to sleep it's just like in the real world when the like the good guy wins at the end, it's like yeah, yeah, that worked. In the film, when it happens, like yeah, well, you saw I saw that coming, didn't I? You know, uh-huh. you know, surprised me. Okay. So it, to me, it just looks like your your same the same old thing I, you see every five to ten years of a virus outbreak. Uh, it's a non-zombie virus outbreak film, and that's a knock against it right there. Yes, you're right. And I would like uh- to see a Matt Damon zombie. <laughs> Uh, I like Matt Damon. For all the shit that he gets, I like. I I, I like. Him. I like him too. I still want to see a Matt Damon zombie. I you know what? Oh, I agree. When it's Paltrow's a zombie, there you go. Ah, uh, all right. And the number one film, and you may or may not be surprised at this, is The Lion King 3D uh, with 31 million in its opening reopened weekend. Do, do we even have to do the finger list this week? <laughs> i mean i i hate to like you know i, I hate to sh- jump the gun here but we no we'll do the finger list okay because you never know we might we might uh yeah. think differently all right so okay but it, it just it's a rehash uh from what i understand the 3d looks terrible because the film obviously wasn't fucking made in 3d yet they feel the need to re-release it in 3d and you know what this only gives them more clout to say hey look what we did we made a 3d and we made 31 million this weekend okay but 31 million but ain't you release any kids cartoon film it's gonna make 20 to 30 million spy kids then well cartoon cartoon i'm saying cartoon animated because you get the younger kids spy kids is like an older kid movie even though it's a young kid i'm talking animated disney animated feature New release. Well, just because it's Disney's got the name, and because it's a, it was exactly. a huge movie when it was released in I think ninety four. Um, when you release well, it, Disney- basically what you have, well, this is what you have. Well, you on, have let me finish this. Twenty well, and thirty somethings nah. being nostalgic, taking their kids to see this movie. That's what, I was gonna that's say. what it is. That's what I was. That, that's what I was going to say. I was going to say. Oh, okay. The minute you release a Disney film, you you've got at least twenty to thirty million just from the parents that will take their kids to see a Disney film because it's a Disney film. Right. And this one's a, a little different only because the parents of these kids grew up with this movie, so they they were like, "Oh, I'm going to take my kid to see it. I saw it when I was their age, you know, or I saw it when I was 10, 12, 15. and now this movie's uh, what seventeen years old. Uh huh. You get a a ten year old. How how old is the film? Seventeen. God, I'm old. So I mean, Holy you get shit, you I'm get old. someone that's ten, twelve years old. They're about thirty now. They might have a four or five year old. It's just, it's just, and 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 people that don't have kids are going to see this just because they saw it, they grew up with it, and they're being nostalgic. So it, it's to me, it's no surprise that I had this huge opening weekend. And and I, I still am boggle it still boggles me that Disney manages to take a film about 
uh, Africa, right? Yeah. Yeah, African African jungle animals, and still managed to release it with a Christ parable. Yeah. It still boggles the mind. I yeah. mean, so I, I tried to explain it to somebody. Like, well, well, give me an example. It's like, all right, just like the Bible, you see Jesus as a kid, and then like you lose the whole teenage years to see him as an adult. What happens in this one? You know, it's just, <laughs> I could go down the list. Judas, you know, it's just. It, it, uh. No, you're right. You're I want right, to if I right. want to see a kids' film, Jesus Parable. I'm going to see Babe Pig in the City. Yeah, that's a good one too. Thank the pig. Oh, thank the pig. Thank the pig. Uh, all right, so let's go ahead and do the finger list. Yeah, ah! I'm going first. You're going to go first. Yeah, because Lion King. But why? Lion King, because it's 3D. I've seen the film. It was well, good. Yeah. When, it was good when it came out. It's not a cartoon I revisit. I liked it. I liked it when I saw it. It was. I enjoyed it. It was well, fun. Oliver, Oliver, not Oliver Platt. Uh, who? Uh, Nathan Lane. Nathan Lane. I loved his voice. Kuna Matata. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, lie down before you hurt yourself. And you got Rowan Atkinson doing the voice of the parrot. Right. So, uh, well, here's my thing. Parrot? Here's was my it a parrot? thing. It was a bird. Was it a parrot? Rowan Atkinson. Rowan Atkinson uh, parrot, I believe. Yeah, with Scar, yeah. right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I enjoyed it. What, do I want to go see it again? No. Do I want to sit through it in 3D? God, no. Well, here's the thing. You don't have to watch it in 3D. Then why would I go see it in the theater again? I, uh, I... I'm just annoyed at the fact that they're re-releasing it. That alone is going to irritate me through an hour and a half sitting. Well, I'm going to disagree with you because I did enjoy the film. I still enjoy the film. Can I give you you a close second? Well, is it going to be my pick? I don't know. Well, my finger list uh, is going to be I don't know how she does it. Oh, shit. I forgot that was in there. (laughs) I take it back. It's I don't know. No, you you can't take it back. I can take it back if I was wrong. If, if, if I'm no, I forgot that was in there. How do you forget? Because we were talking about eighteen different films in the course the, the, of one the thing. second I mentioned it, and it's like this is my movie. I'm not going to say it now because that ruins the effect. But there is no fucking way I'm seeing. I don't know how she does it in the theater. Ah, oh, this fucking pinky finger comes off before I see that in the theater. Damn it! <laughs> I can't. I can't change my answer. <sighs> It kind of ruins the effect if it, you change. It your does, answer. but you know, what? I I was I was looking up other stuff that we were talking about, like like Supernova, and I was I was checking my Netflix list to see if that's available, and and I don't <laughs> I don't have the top ten list in front of me, so so when we called it, the last be- the last thing that you mentioned that annoyed the shit out of me was was that, and Superno- Supernova is available. I'm gonna add it to my Netflix list, and um, uh, I'm not gonna. I'm not going to put it to number one, but and so yeah, I just kind of got sidetracked. But uh, you're you're right. That is the that is the fingerless film. The shoes. Yeah, it, sh- it should be. It is. It absolutely should be. Oh, I just cut my finger off with the wrong movie. I got to pay attention more. <laughs> you need the list in front of you. It's that simple. I, I should have had. You, you should have sent me the list. What? Go to boxoffice.com. Oh, I got There you go. Those places. Now I have to close the Exotica site. Uh, I'm sorry. You have to do that. Uh, no, I don't. I'll open up a new window. <sighs> All right. Um, we're going to go to break now. Oh, look. Lion King pounces on weak field. Because we are... We're running so late. <laughs> how, long, how, how far are we? How, how long? Uh, about 55 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so We'll take a break. We're, 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 that's, yeah, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about Ishtar. Ishtar. So don't go anywhere. Tell them the truth. Joey, do you have time to read these days? I don't. 
I have a kid. <laughs> Me neither. But you know what? I listen to books. Oh, you do? I download audiobooks at audible.com. There you go. Right now I'm listening to Shock Value, how a few eccentric outsiders gave us nightmares, conquered Hollywood, and invented modern horror. I think you can get that link from our site, too. Uh, well, not for that, but for Audible. No, yeah. well, the audible.com. Yeah, and you can get that book through audible.com. You go to our website, moviesucktastic.com. You go to the podcast page. And on the lower left-hand corner, there's an audible.com link. You click on that, you get a two-week free uh, trial. And we get a kickback. And we, and, and, and we need it. Please. Yeah. Well, I, I, we don't ask for donations, but this is a good way to keep the show running. This microphone is, has more tape on it than my balls. <laughs> That's a lot of tape. That is quite... You know what? You go, go to audible.com. Audible.com, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Are you home alone tonight? Got no one to cuddle? Urgent, urgent for some connection. Don't worry, Daddy ain't gonna hurt you. Just tune in Movie Sucktastic. Give us a call at 908-514-4470. Tell us what bad movies have been tickling you. Just call after dark. We like it that way. Telling the truth is dangerous business. It is dangerous business. Yes, it is. Oh. So, now, Jar. you're challenged but to me. But we can sing. What? <laughs> does not, what you're doing does not go well with the music we're playing, so. <laughs> Telling the truth is dangerous business. You know what? Hold on a second. Let me fade. Let me fade out of this music because I want to hear you sing it. Tell, tell him the, <laughs> tell him the truth is dangerous business. Why? Hon- <laughs> Honest and popular don't go hand in hand. <laughs> if you can, if you admit that you can play the accordion, no one, they will not. No, let, no, no one will hire you in a rock and rock and roll band. band. <laughs> sing it, Joey. Danger, dangerous truth. Da- dangerous truth. Come on. Dangerous truth. Da- da- dangerous truth. Dangerous truth. Come on. Sometimes it's good. Uh, telling the truth is sometimes it's good. Telling the truth, <laughs> telling is, the truth. is bad news. Wait, wait. My, my, my favorite. Telling the truth is a bitter herb. <laughs> and then Dustin Hoffman comes in and goes, lose, stop with the bitter herb. I never heard a hit song with the word herb in it. <laughs> lose the herb. Lose the herb. <laughs> lose the herb. <laughs> when you're on, you're on. When you're, when you're, when you're on, you're on. Yep. And they weren't so, on this. No. Now, no. Now, Ishtar is a famous bad movie. 
It is one of the most famous, if not the most famous. It is a uh, Heaven's Gate is another one uh, that's like this, where the budget gets out of control. It takes forever to make. the The lead actors got uh, Dustin Hoffman and Warren Beatty, and the director uh, Ellen May, I believe her name is Elaine. Um, Elaine May, yes, May. Elaine May. Just before they shot a frame, twenty six point five million or seven million or whatever it was, was given to those three before they shot a single frame. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and now there's a lot of the pot. Now I when I challenge you to this, I didn't think I had not seen this since I was a kid. And when I saw it as a kid, I didn't care for it, obviously. But I remember liking. Some I saw of- bits and pieces. Yeah. When I was a kid, I I had I was expecting to go into it. And oh well, this isn't that bad. I was expecting to be oh, where we come out and go. Well, it wasn't as bad. It's no, it's you know, it's not really that bad of a film. Right. And I was surprised that how bad it is. And but yeah. And here's the interesting thing. Uh, before I play the trailer for everyone, the trailer. If you know nothing about the film, if you've never seen it, the trailer is actually it's actually a well-made trailer. And this is back in 1987. This is 24 years ago, a uh, 24-year-old trailer, where it's using a lot of the techniques that they still use today about how they sell a comedy. And and it's pretty interesting. It's pretty interesting at how good the trailer actually comes off, and how watching this movie and you know it's so bad, but you watch this trailer, or in this case, people will listen to it. You'll think it's a genuinely funny film because all of the, 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 the scenes in the movie where the comedy, the dialogue is being given, it's cut short. It's cut in such a way where it's like, well, that's that's funny. I can see that that's going to be a funny movie, and it's not. I, well, and I have to, you say it's a well-made trailer. I have to say that to, to a, a very long extent, it is a well-made film. It's not shoddily made. No, no. I the, mean, the bu- it's not. Yeah, the budget poor, is gigantic. Yeah, so budget, you know they had the the right equipment, uh, as far as, and the cinematographer is fine. It's is the same cinematographer here. I have his name. He's uh, uh Vittorio uh, Vittorio Storaro, and he's the same cinematographer that Warren Beatty uses for all of his movies, like Reds, and he used them on uh, uh, Dick Tracy, and mm-hmm. you know, just so he and plus he's made other films where and i just can't think of them but the cinematography is absolutely gorgeous so as far as a good looking film there's no doubt about it yes yeah, so it's it, just it's a good looking movie it was well made to an extent mm-hmm. so i just wanted to say that because you could when you say it's a well-made trailer the, tra- the, the trailer doesn't mask well i mean you any, can make any, a, you can make a shitty trailer what you can make a shitty trailer right but what i'm saying is by I just wanted to say that, like, even though it's a well-made trailer, that doesn't imply that it's hiding a shoddy, shoddily made film right. to an extent where, like, the film's well-made too. Mm-hmm. That's not where the right. problem lies with the film. Right. All right. So I'm gonna play the trailer, and when we come back, we're gonna review this thing. All right. So sit tight. Three, two, three, four, four, two, three, and. These men are pawns. I put the price of twenty thousand dirham on their heads. Next, they will be hailed as the true messenger of God. They were just a couple of songwriters who came to Ishtar to break into show business. Easy, easy, boy, easy, boy. Easy, boy. What the hell's the matter with him? Is he blind? Well, yeah, he is, but but he's in perfect condition. So how do they wind up 
on everyone's hit list. Your life is in danger. Behave normally. We have a gun pointed at your back. No, don't put your hands up, you idiot. I can't believe these men may control the fate of the Middle East. American messengers of God dead yet. This is the oasis. The Does oasis. this look like an oasis here? Yeah, look at the birds. Are those vultures? Yeah, 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 yeah. Whoa, oh, oh, you. He's aiming at it. Will you stop me? Paranoid. Hans Muck, they're trying to kill us. Warren Beatty, Dustin Hoffman, Isabella Johnny. Your girl. How did she get to be your girl? Ishtar, written and directed by Elaine May. <laughs> All right, that's the trailer. Tell him. Tell him. Best work. It's just terrible now, movie. Now, now I but have to admit, great trailer. Yeah, good trailer. Now, great trailer. Now, when I when I challenged you to Ishtar. Yes. I did not do any research as far as the availability of this film because I'm thinking it's Ishtar. Well, I'll get well, it. Well, what's what's funny about about that is when you did challenge it to me, I looked the same night. I always look when I when I get a challenge from you. It was available through Netflix streaming mm-hmm. when it was challenged to me, and then magically it fucking disappeared. So then I'm thinking, well, I'll find it somewhere on DVD. It's never been released on DVD ever, no. ever, ever. And the most beautiful part about it, it was supposed to be released on Blu-ray. It was going to bypass DVD completely. Now, it's been released on DVD all throughout Europe. Right. Um, but it was supposed to be released on Blu-ray. In a director's cut. In a director's cut this past January of 2011. Uh-huh. And when you look it up, it actually says, in parentheses, canceled. Because she... <laughs> and I, I don't know why they canceled it. Because she... Uh, she was quoted as saying that you're finally going to be able to see uh, this film the way it's meant to be as far as the quality and, and the colors and all of that. Well, because Elaine May, she only handed over the film. She was in the process of editing and everything. They actually sued her. They th- Or they threatened to take her to court. Yeah. Because she were, they were so over, over date and they were afraid they were never going to get it. And they, and they just said, okay, give it to us now or... We're gonna sue you for millions and millions and millions of dollars. Yes, and and so te- technically, what you're watching is not a director's cut, to the extent where she didn't be able, she wasn't able to film. Now I don't know what she's gonna do differently. I want to see that. I would be well I would, considering, uh, considering that there is a hundred and eight hours of footage, you could watch a, you could nearly watch a completely different film. Right, which would because be they they were having so many problems on set because I actually uh, in my notes. Yeah. I have lots of notes for this movie. Um, in my notes here, they uh, they they talk about Warren Beatty and e- Elaine May. They were they were good friends, and a lot of films he, together. Yeah, well, not necessarily together. I mean, he gave her the script for Reds, which he won Best Director for, and there was like this huge shock when he didn't win Best Picture because it was it came out in 1981 at a time where if you won Best Director, you won Best Picture. So it was like this huge shock. But she 
retooled the screenplay for him mm-hmm. into an Academy Award winning uh, uh, film. And they worked together on Heaven Can Wait. Yes, they worked together on Heaven Can Wait. So he wanted to give her Ishtar. This was his baby, but he wanted to give it to her because he was very good friends with her. And what ended up happening was just everything that wrong that could have happened, happened. And there's a point in the notes that I have that they ended up getting to a huge fight on set uh, about filming about the near the end of the movie where they have all of the action scenes with the helicopters and all of that shit mm-hmm. where she basically says to, to Warren Beatty, you want, you want to direct it? You finish the movie. And Warren Beatty being an, an experienced director could have done that. Mm-hmm. And he decided not to call her bluff and say, okay, I'll finish the film because it would have been embarrassing, more embarrassing than where it was at at the time of production. Right. So there was a lot of problems. And from what I understand, their friendship has been completely strained since. They're not good friends anymore. Mm-hmm. Well, and they, they still defend the film. If you read interviews with Warren Beatty... I don't Beatty, think uh, Dustin Hoffman doesn't, I think. Warren Beatty I does. I mean, if you re- uh, there was an inter- uh, Entertainment Weekly uh, article where they interviewed him. About, they asked him for quotes on all of his films. And he pretty much says that Ishtar was was uh, a victim of critics reviewing the budget and not the movie, and that he still thinks it's a funny film and it was a good movie. Right. As a matter of fact, um, here I have my notes here about it. Uh, one of the uh, who the fuck was it now? There's so many notes that I, I I'm not going to be able to find it. But someone closely involved with the film, <laughs> uh, he was accused of feeding negative uh oh, I, negative I, yeah i read that you know I, what i'm talking about i know you're talking about i'll find he that. just kept feeding the media negative uh feedback uh about the movie because he was and, he was not a friend of warren Beatty's, and he'd also had issues with um with dustin, hoffman. David Put- dustin hoffman david putman that's it that's him um yeah so he was accused of just you know, feeding negative negative feedback to the media constantly and it he it worked, and he was a studio head, so he was he was like sabotaging the film right, from the yeah. top. Warren Beatty did not like him at all. Right, I think uh, he just he told him says just keep paying the fucking bills and we'll keep making the movie or some shit like that. <laughs> I mean, and and, and see, so here's a little known fact that people don't know: it actually won its weekend. It was the number one movie in its opening weekend. Mm-hmm. It made four four million, a little over four million, but because of the fact that it cost fifty five, it ended up only making fourteen for its entire run. So it was a huge bomb, and and those two had worked together before because uh, Putman was a producer on Midnight, Midnight Express. Oh, great movie too! So it was, yeah, so they they had they'd worked together in the past, and what whatever they didn't have in common must have been a, a working relationship. Right, and the the film was released May fifteenth, nineteen eighty seven, and it was so many months behind. It was supposed to actually come out before Christmas mm-hmm. of nineteen eighty six. So, uh, but. Let's get into the plot a little bit. Um, it's uh, these two terrible lounge singers. Oh, wait, oh, I have to say one thing, though. Okay. Because uh, after I found out it wasn't available on DVD, oh, uh, yeah. at one point I'm like, oh, I don't know. I'm checking everything I can, and I see IMDb has a link next to it. It says, uh, if you go to IMDb Ishtar page. Oh, watch full movie. Watch now. I crackle. It's like, oh, great. Click it. Not available in your region. What? Yeah, because <laughs> it was only released in Europe. 
and I and I have Crackle on my Blu-ray player, so I was like, oh great, I'll just stream it through that. And no, not available in your region. But we, we were able to finally get a bad VHS copy. Oh god, it was, and with the it is actually so bad that sound only came out of the the right speaker. Mm-hmm. It, it it was uh, this the left channel was non-existent in this copy. But I interrupted you. Go ahead with the plot setup. Uh, basically, it's two lounge singers uh, who, on um, before they actually meet. They're like Dustin Hoffman is doing weddings and bar mitzvahs and birthday parties and shit like that. And Warren Beatty is just kind of just notion. Um, simpleton. Not notion. Yeah, he's well, because the director uh, said that she would love to have Warren Beatty play uh, like, basically, like you said, a simpleton. Be like the Bob Hope, uh, like because Bob Hope and Bing Crosby, they move, made movies uh, together movies. where. Yeah. Yeah, where Bing Crosby is, you know, he's the the suave ladies' man, um, you know, gets what he wants, and then Bob Hope would play like the bumbling idiot. I- I'm gonna get more into that later. Oh, okay. We're, we're gonna talk a bit about the, uh, the comparisons between the two, definitely. Right. So Warren Beatty's character is he's also a terrible writer and singer, but he's not actually he he moved to New York to kind of pursue it, but he's not really doing that. Like his wife or his girlfriend. Uh, it just completely, completely hates the idea of it. Thinks he's talentless, which he is. And Warren Beatty is at a function where Dustin Hoffman is singing on stage, and Warren Beatty buys him a drink when Dustin Hoffman is down on his luck because he sings a song uh, about these two old people who said he said they were here the year before, and if they came back this year, I would sing a song about it. And he basically talks about the old guy dying and leaving all of his shit to the wife. <laughs> and does it often is like you know I probably shouldn't have sang that song and then in the corner you see Warren Beatty signaling over it's like hey I liked your shit mm-hmm. you know come over here we'll talk and then the next thing you know the next scene is them working on songs for hours together well, it's and a then whole of course they become of, 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 uh, uh, Rogers and Clark yeah which actually sounds like a good uh, uh, duet a good sing you know like uh, Simon and Garfunkel Rogers and Clark sounds good but they suck they're absolutely awful. And then basically what happens is Dustin Hoffman is convinced that the only thing they need is an agent to be famous. So they get one uh, played by, uh, what's his face, uh, Jack Weston. And he gets him a gig in Morocco. And basically what happens is they're down on their luck. They go into a bar and they have an entire flashback scene of how they meet. Right. Which... And and, is and that's one of the flaws. Completely of the film. unnecessary. Completely unnecessary flashback. Yeah, it's one of the flaws of the film where they they it, it flashbacks to tell backstory are only used when you really just can't figure out how to get the backstory into the film. Right. It, oh, sorry. Whoa. <laughs> I, I, I well, hurt what, myself. What what's 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 interesting is I didn't laugh once throughout the entire movie. Now before that I was actually weird, wasn't it? It was really weird not laughing, I, truly not laughing at anything, even all of the Charles Grodin stuff, who I love. Charles Grodin, not only is he great, he's the king, he's the funniest straight man you'll ever have. He does a funny straight man that is insanely funny, and he right. almost pulls it off in the film. Almost. It, now that, that's, but, I mean, well, let, we'll, finish up the, we'll finish up the basic plot before, before I get into that. Uh, I'll, take, okay. I'll take over. Okay, uh, go right ahead. So they, they, they get an agent, and the agent sends them to Ishtar. 
Uh, they bump into this woman. Oh, there's a whole subplot with a map that will destroy uh, the Middle East. And they bump into right, this... Right, and, and they're perceived as the two messengers of God. Right. Uh, it, it's it's totally... Uh, anyway, there's... The girl is played by Isabella Johnny, who... Uh, her brother is the one with the map, right? So, and so they they go to Ishtar at an airport. Uh, you know, through through circumstances, they both end up meeting the girl, and then the CIA ends up meeting them because of that. So they get caught in the middle, and basically, they, uh, you got me saying basically five times. Uh, hey, what happened? I've only said it twice. What happens is the, the all the world governments are trying to get these guys, including uh, everybody, CIA. Uh, who who was the the Ishtar, is it the King of Ishtar? Is that what that was? It's, yeah, the dictator. Some guy in a get, turban. They're all trying yeah. to get them for the map because if the map com- if the map is released, it'll cause an up- a Shiite uprising. Yes, and, it will. And so at one point, everybody's trying to capture them, and then after that, everybody decides that they're all trying to kill them. And then this is correct. it's all resolved at the end in, in a big shootout with a helicopter. Which is uh, the CIA trying to kill the two of them and, and make it look just, like make it look like like an accident, or that they were killed they were by gunrunners. Yeah, right. Exactly. So, so I mean, it's the setup. Now, here, here's uh, well, where do you want to go with this? We, there's eight different ways we can go. There really is. You, you um, mentioned the humor. The, I didn't laugh once. Right, and I, I remember an hour into it, I thought to myself, "Holy, I didn't. I, I'm not laughing now." It's not that I actually watched this on my uh, on my commute home. Uh-huh. I hit a lot of traffic when I come home from work and I watched I'd say about 75% of it on my commute home and I'm looking for laughter <laughs> when I'm sitting in that much traffic and believe me if there was anything funny in this movie, I would have laughed because of the circumstances of me being in traffic. It would have made me happy. I truly did not laugh now, once during this movie. The weird part is, there is funny in the film. It's in there. It's in there somewhere. Well, if you just, if before anybody watch, goes out and watches the film, just read all the quotes on IMDb. You would think, just based on the quotes, you're going to be, end up watching a, tr- a genuinely funny movie. But you're not. Now I, You're really not. I'm going to jump to what I think had, what was the, the, had the most potential to be funny in the film. Besides, okay. besides Charles Grodin was the camel scene. Yeah, the blind camel. Basically what happens is... Which I have a tidbit about fuck, that. I said basically again. What happens is the girl tells Warren Beatty, go to the market, find a man named Muhammad, and use the password, I want to buy a blind camel. So he go. the joke is, of course, he goes to the, the market and says, Muhammad, and 18 guys turn around, yes! He's like, <laughs> oh, that was easy. And he grabs the first one, and then he ends up actually buying a blind camel. Right. Now that is funny it, 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 it is yes. funny what but somehow the way they pull it off the way they do it the lead up to it and then the result of him having the camel they just somehow and i can't even figure out how they did it they managed to do it where you don't find it amusing where it's just it's you, too, you, it, re- you really don't it's it's telegraphed a bit too much and when it happens you're like oh and so then later when charles groden goes no no the, the camel's blind it's it should be a great laugh line and the reaction should be a great laugh line, and it's not. Yeah, and and the way they 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 insert this camel into the film, where Dustin Hoffman 
see it's like hey what is this camel blind and he's like yeah he's blind but he's in perfect condition and the scenes that come along with that of dustin hoffman talking to warren Beatty, while this camel is just moaning uh, in the background now that was the closest i came so, to laughing because that well that, but the problem is it's so constant and it goes on for so long that it eventually just becomes annoying but, and any point of you thinking that it's funny completely is gone and diminishes i like that because you know they didn't do that on purpose it was just the camel wouldn't shut up yeah exactly that's why and they probably like for instance the director from what i read is a consummate perfectionist much like warren Beatty, uh, warren Beatty and dustin hoffman mm-hmm. to the point of kubrick status that the scene in the desert where the buzzard lands uh near dustin hoffman uh-huh. from what i understand they took a hundred takes to do that now that might be an ex- uh, a reason why it didn't work because before that she she uh what does she do? She, uh, directing wise, she did, uh, I was looking at her actress credits, so I, I lost that. Right. She, uh, she hasn't directed a film since Ishtar, she, she by the way. She did A New Leaf, which was a comedy. Right. Walter Matthau. Then she did The Heartbreak Kid, which is a very po- popular film. Yes, it is. Uh, and that was successful. Um, Mickey and Nikki, which I've never seen. Okay. Uh, it, it's like a little, um, it's a little, uh, what do you really? call it? Peter Falk film. Okay. But I, I just got. I just have a feeling. Maybe it's just because she had a bigger budget. Maybe she became. Maybe she was more of a perfectionist on that than on previous films. And speaking of the budget, twenty six point four million before they shot anything. And how? What was the budget on Reds? You don't have that. Yet. Uh, I, I don't have it in front of me. But she didn't. But she, I, didn't I, I, she didn't direct Reds though. She just wrote the screenplay on that. She just. She just helped out with yeah. the screenplay. But films back then generally didn't cost fifty million dollars in nineteen eighty seven. And also, let's 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 underline too that between Heartbreak Kid or Mickey and Nikki. But you're talking over a decade between the direction of both of those. Exactly. Or, or at least a decade. You know, 87 is the release date, so give it a year or two. So it was like a decade between the two. Maybe she became such a perfectionist, because com- the thing with comedy is you can't be a perfectionist with comedy because comedy is fluid. It's just timing. Yeah, it's timing, and you can't control... You can't control everything in like a comedy. You have to let and it that was another. That was another problem with the movie. The, com- the timing with the comedy in the film was terrible. The timing in the whole play, the camel, for example, I'll tell you right now, uh, as far as fixing the film, the camel should have come up earlier in the film. The camel should have been reoccurring. Yeah. Because instead of no, instead of having yeah, the, you're right. the camel, should they should have bought the camel, they should have like lost the camel or had to come back to the camel, because they buy the camel, and then you're literally stuck with the camel for a solid half hour. Easy. And and the the, the joke is lost. But the if you had bought the camel like upon like... like the, entering the town and then it came up again later you could refresh it and you could spread out the jokes but instead it's just here's the camel now we're going to make fun of the camel now we're still making fun of the camel oh look the camel's knocking things over we're going to keep beating this to the horse oh now they're on the now they're on the, the blind camel well what's happened we can't stop well the camel's blind it's just it keeps going and going yeah, and and the way the way we're describing the camel being blind and knocking things over it should have been funny yeah. it should have been funny I'm watching i'm watching carts get knocked over and guys go flying while they're talking and the thing like bouncing into people and i'm thinking i should be laughing and i can't figure out why i'm not yeah exactly oh now well tell tell me about the camel you have that okay i have a little tidbit about the camel and uh i I cheated a little bit i gave you this one piece of information at dinner and because i had to i already knew it because you already know it but for everyone else if you don't know this uh here we go uh, some of the movie's production woes have become Hollywood lore. 
The film's animal trainer went looking for a blue-eyed camel in the Marrakech market. I think I pronounced that right. Uh, and one I think it's Marrakech. Marrakech? Think, You're probably I right. I think it's Marrakech. Okay. And, and found one he considered to be perfect. Uh, obviously because it was going to be a blind camel. Uh, but he chose not to buy it right away, expecting he could find others to use the knowledge that he had gained and to bargain with the first trader for a better price. Now, a $55 million fucking movie, and you want to bargain over a camel? Come on. Mm. Just buy the fucking camel. Uh, so, it goes on to say, he did not realize that blue-eyed camels were extremely rare, he, and he could not find another camel good enough. So he basically decided, I'm just going to go buy it from the first trader. He returned to the first trader, who had since eaten the camel. (laughs) (laughs) So the fucking guy, and it's it's just typical for a movie to go this over budget, to have this many problems. He decides to go find a blue eyed camel, finds one that's perfect, decides to be cheap about it, and then finds out later on that the camel he was going to buy has since been eaten. Now, there's a funny story too. Uh, at one point, they were originally they were going to have Jack Lemon play the Warren Beatty character right. in a different rewrite, and they they negotiated with Jack Lemon, and then with the Warren Beatty. But when they came back to Jack Lemon, he had also been eaten. <laughs> it was a tragedy. He was uh, now, he was not available. Now, there's two things I love about that, and you you know what? I have to re- recommend. There's a book out there called Losing the Light. You know okay. you know this right? Uh, is this... No, I don't think so. It's called Losing the Light. It's about the production of the Baron Munchausen film. Ah, uh, okay. Which I love, and it got a lot of criticism for it. It went way over budget, and like there's a huge debacle. And if, As Terry Gilliam usually does. And if you want to read... It, oh, but only when he has a bad producer. He's one of those guys that needs a producer to rein him in. You want to read a, a consummate book, or a tip... Uh, a, a great book about production values where everything that goes wrong... And most of it's just through mismanagement. This camel thing is a perfect example, and it's stuff like that happens all throughout that. Especially when you do with anything dealing with animals, you always end up losing so much money if you if you not know what you're doing. Oh, absolutely. And there's two things that I love about that story. What's the old adage? Don't work with animals or children. Right. I thought that was never mind. <laughs> I was thinking of something totally different. Um, Continue. <laughs> um. Two things they could have done, right? that would have fixed that whole camel thing where they wouldn't have to go on crazy. One, you find an expert on camels to find you a camel that you're looking for. You don't just wander the markets and try to buy a camel. Because right. then a, a camel expert would have said, well, you know, blue one, blue-eyed one, ones are rare. We should grab this now. Two, just throw s- sunglasses on the camel. <laughs> J- just put, like, fake blinders on the camel. The camel can't, you know, why is his eyes covered? It can't see. You know? He's blind. Yeah, it just... just you know, just actually blindfold the camel. It'll be easier to have him bump things over. I mean, to, yeah. I mean, okay. And if you can't do that, your camel expert would tell you. Right. How? Why they had someone getting a camel that doesn't know a thing about camels? That just shows you. And as a producer, well, you actually you don't know that. I mean, he was an animal trainer that was going okay. to look for camels. If he's an animal trainer, and he doesn't know that blue-eyed camels are rare. He's not an animal trainer that deals with camels. No, you may, I, yeah, I don't know. You, you, you're probably right. It's, it's, it, what you had was the animal trainers. Yeah, I can train any animal. I can train animals. I train, I can train camels. But if you don't know camels, 
you know, if you know camels, you know that blue-eyed ones are rare. How do you not know that if you're an expert? If you're if you're if you're worth what you're being paid for, and if this is a big budget production where you've got this much money on the line, right? You know, how do you not know that blue-eyed camel? I don't know, but you know what? I'm not an animal trader. <laughs> I, yeah. I don't. I know jack shit about. I barely know. I barely know anything about cats. I hear you. So I mean, that's just. It's insane when I mean, this kind of stuff happens behind the scenes, and that just show, and you can see the frustration when that kind of stuff takes everything over budget or takes everything, makes everything, drags everything out so long. Well, and and you know because they go went over budget. Uh, here's a little tidbit about the director. Apparently, she suffered from toothaches throughout the production of the film, and it says here that uh, she suffered from toothaches throughout the production of the film, which she refused to have treated locally, and I don't blame her. <laughs> but just to give you an idea, um, she it says here that she took extensive. <laughs> I'm sorry, what? I found something else I have to mention. But go ahead, keep going. Okay, <laughs> she took extensive measures to shelter herself from the harsh sun. Not only spending much of her time under a large parasol, but wearing large sunglasses and wrapping her face in white gauze veil. Uh, and she and they called her a stormtrooper throughout the production because she had so much of that on her head. But here's what's interesting. After one unsuccessful search for dunes, uh, May suddenly announced she wanted a flat landscape instead. It took 10 days to level the area of a square mile. Really? See, and that's... 10 days to, to halt the production because you wanted to film on a flat surface. Okay, now, and... Because sand ain't easy to work with. No, and you just shoot where you can. Here, here's... Here, I, have a, I have a theory. Let's hear it. Her, uh, Elaine and Warren Beatty, very good friends, right? Yes. Close friends. Warren Beatty was the producer on this film. Yes, he was. As a producer, but as a friend of hers, I don't think he reined her in as much as he should have. I think he, like you say, that that big fight they had. Well, you know what? I found another tidbit. Yeah. Uh, according to that fight, um, because they were having so many problems, and because. It was Warren Beatty, uh, his film that he gave to uh, Elaine. Uh -huh. It says here that he proposed instead uh, instead that every scene. This is also this goes uh, to where you said you'd like to see the director's cut, and they shot so many hours yeah. that it could literally be a different film. Uh -huh. This right here attests to that. Uh, he proposed in instead that every scene be shot twice, his way and her way. Uh, effectively doubling the movie's cost. So essentially, you could have two completely different films. She shot a scene her way, and then they shot the same scene his way. And they did that through the whole movie. It's insane. So what, that, that, just, that just underlines my point here. When they had their little to-do out filming the whole helicopter thing, I think what you right. have is, is Warren Beatty finally saying, okay, I, I have to step in and be a producer. And by being producer, I mean take control of the film. And it just seems like right, exactly. It seems like she, uh, he he allowed her to take control of the film. And one thing, and Terry Gilliam is a perfect example of this. One thing you cannot let a director do is take control of the film because they have no concept of 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 where they should stop. They they need the producer to rein them in and make them work under a structure. Not all of them, not all directors, but I think she's one of them. And I think this is a perfect right. example. Uh, yeah, I, I want a mile of desert flattened. Uh, no. <laughs> That's what the producer says. No, you film on that dune over there. Uh, I'm waiting. 
that's what you do as a real producer. And right. and I think I think by the time he put his foot down and she called her and again he he, he call, she called his bluff. He said, "All right, then you direct it." It's like, "Oh, I don't want to do that to her." You know, and and I he only hurt her. And you can see in the long run, she never directed again. And yeah, and never directed a film again. Although she did write the Birdcage and got an Oscar nomination for yeah. it. So. And she she also starred in uh, Little Little Time Crooks or Little uh, Small Time Crooks, Woody Allen film. She's hilarious. Oh. I, I loved her. She's my. She's the only funny thing in that movie, as far as I'm concerned. Oh really? Yeah. I never. I never saw. She it. plays a big character, but she's hilarious in it. Okay. Um. She. Uh, but I. I think, she probably still blames him, thinking that he somehow, like. Oh. Oh, I've read that she's still bitter about it. Right, but I. I, I can. I can probably. You. She probably thinks in some way that he held her back, when what he should have done was hold her back a lot more. Yeah, and that's my theory on that. But well, I, I just I wanted to double peek to make sure that he was a producer, and uh, he had two associate producers, N- Nigel Wolf, who has uh, been a direct assistant director on like a ass load of movies. Uh, he's worked on a lot of films. I'm not even going to list it. Uh, half, of the, you know, uh, what's one of the recent more recent ones? Up until '77. Crosswords, okay. uh, Ro- Madhouse, Great Gatsby. He was involved in G.I. Jane, Willow. He did you know, a bunch of stuff. And then the other associate produce- producer was uh, David Lee McLeod, who was convicted McLeod? in... McLeod? McLeod? I don't know. <laughs> Why are you correcting me if, if, if you don't know? David, I, I don't know. David Lee McLeod, McLeod, whatever... Who, who in 1993 was convicted in absentia by grand jury in taking six boys across state lines to have sex with them? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> that's why I laughed out loud. I, you're talking. About, I was like, "Oh, he's a kid toucher." <laughs> oh, I bet you he had fun in Morocco. I bet he did. <laughs> Him and Gary Glitter. Oh, holy shit! I know why they blinded the camel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had to mention that because that's uh, he, he molested children. I think that's funny. Uh, okay. Hey, I, you you said it. Yeah. Uh, no. I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not going to defend you. I stand by it. Uh-huh. Um. So th- that's got to be why. And, and again, th- as a director, I mean, a, you, a lot. I I read a lot of positive reviews on the film. Yeah, there there are there are a few. And there's been a resurgence of people especially Warren Beatty and stuff like that, people coming out to defend the movie saying it wasn't that bad. And I... Even uh, Gary Larson? Yeah, who, who apologized wrote, uh, the, for his... Who, the Far Side? Uh, one of his skits, and I love Gary Larson. Yeah. Um, one of his skits or comic book uh, panels, uh, it's always a one-frame panel, and it's a guy going into a video store, and every single movie on the shelf, uh, the shelves is Ishtar. And I forget what it says. But he video, has it's, since it's, apologized for it. it it doesn't make sense unless you give it. It's, it's video, the video store in hell. Ah. Uh, that's what. That's okay, the, you're right. <laughs> uh, so he's since apologized for it because he said he took a plane ride. Um, and, and obviously this is years and years and years ago. It, but he took a plane ride and they were showing Ishtar. And he said, and, and this scares me because I think Gary Larson is genuinely funny. And I think his comics are genuinely funny. And he said, oh, I apologize because I'm watching this movie and I think it's a genuinely funny movie and I'm laughing and, and I'm sorry. It's like, no, what, were you on something? Uh, and I understand where he's coming from. And because he also mentions, too, that he had never seen Ishtar when he wrote the cartoon. It was just. Right. And I know where he's coming from and I know where the, all the positive reviews are coming from. They're misguided 
but I understand where they're coming from. When you right. hear when you hear all the vitriol and all the all the negatives and oh, it's the worst film ever. And all these reviews say, but they were re they, these critics were reviewing the budget, not the film. You are correct. Uh, yeah, no, they were. All the hype around Ishtar being a bad movie, all the hype about being the worst film, and all this and that. It was number one the opening opening weekend the box office. Yeah, uh, eh. it made uh, number one. It beat out the movie The Gate uh, by a hundred thousand yeah. dollars. and it um it, it's not in the top twenty. Uh, uh, worst, uh, biggest losing films uh, ever. It's not in the top twenty of those. No. Uh, it, no so no. it's it wasn't a, it wasn't really a huge. Heaven's Gate is. Yeah, it's not Heaven's. It's not a huge, huge disaster. But the hype leading up to it, and you know the leaked stuff that happened and all that, it really fed the critics to review it as a negative film. So the backlash of that saying, yeah, it didn't deserve all the the, the crap it got. I agree with that, and I understand it. But at the same time, it's not a good movie. No, it's, it it was terrible. Yeah. It it from beginning to end, the way the movie opens is the way I opened our show is with them, the, the telling the truth, telling the truth, t telling the telling truth. the truth, and it's T literally that for for a minute. Uh huh. It's literally and where I cut it off, where where because I just thought it was funny, just like telling the truth is dangerous business. Why? Yeah. <laughs> but then they continue. Yeah, I didn't go the whole the whole. It's actually longer. <laughs> and I also think too, the making of that part, they're all involved in the filmmaking, and they're all thinking of it as a film. You can you can film yourself and entertain yourself on screen. And sometimes you can lose sight that yeah. what I'm think what we we as a small group of people who are entertaining ourselves think is funny, isn't necessarily going to sell to the general public. Right. And I they, they might have been blinded by that. They were I think because they were kind of Warren Beatty. And uh, Elaine were so close to on the film, and it's he's producing it, she's directing it. Dustin Hoffman's like really in there. Uh, I I think they might have lost sight that they weren't trying to entertain themselves. They were trying to entertain everybody. Yeah, uh, it's the only it's just it's the only thing I can only reason I can think to explain why a film that's potentially funny has really great actors in it, has a great has, has you know talented people involved, and everything just falls flat. It, it couldn't have been. A more colossal failure. As as, as, as far as far as everything, as a, as a comedy, as far as the timing for the comedy, as far as the the dialogue being delivered, uh, it's just terrible, absolutely terrible. Once again, I will say, when I'm not laughing at Charles Grodin, there's something wrong. Yeah, one of my favorite, if not my all-time favorite, Charles Grodin film is Midnight Run with Robert De Niro. I still have to go with um, my, it's one of my favorite Chevy Chase films too. Uh, oh, like old times. Yeah, oh. that's a good one. Yeah, great film. But the young uh, Charles Grodin. The young. This is, Charles a, Grodin. this is a young Charles Grodin in this, and like at the end, we talking to the president on the phone. What? We did not shoot it to American soldiers. <laughs> No, I we did get not. Right on top of that, I will find out. Who said that? Who told you that? I mean, it's <laughs> who told it's you like that? A typical perfect Grodin delivery. Yeah. And by that point, you're just so numb by it. And oh, you know what? There's a. I have a perfect example of where the film really loses the humor. Where they. Where's that? And, and here's here's. All right. Um, can I approach this from the, the comparison to the Bob Hope, uh, the the the, tr the road movies? Go ahead. Um. I read one review. You read a couple reviews. I read one positive review that said this film is often compared to those, 
but it shouldn't be because it's different. And I don't want to mention the name of the, the person who reviewed that because he's an actual critic and stuff, and he's completely full of shit. And his pro- okay. he's, he's blinded by his, his hatred of the... And again, I understand why. You have so many people dumping on this film just because of the budget. It's like you want to defend it. But he's blinding himself to the fact that this film, when you watch it, you cannot deny it was meant to be a takeoff on the road movies. And there's and what they did at this they they took elements of the Bob Hope Bing Crosby road movies, which is, you know, the two guys in a foreign country. And even look at it this way, the whole concept the basic concept of this of Ishtar is if you look at the road movies, these guys get into these adventures in like foreign countries and occasionally right. break into song. And so the I yeah, and so the yeah. idea is, okay, what if you had a road movie but they couldn't sing? Yeah. They they always intended on making them terrible lounge singers. Right. And in under normal circumstances, that should come off funny. Yeah, and and, and I understand the concept. I, I can almost see them sitting around thinking, yeah, what if he did Bob Hope and Bing Crosby? But what if they couldn't carry a tune? And what, you know, what, they just broke into a random song, and, just, and it was that would be funny just because they can't sing. So making them lounge singers was a is a is a great idea. I think making them like so, struggling lounge singers that aren't working was a bad idea. I think they should have been working. Okay. And like this was just like. A, a big break, or not even a big break, but just like now our agent sending us here. Instead of <laughs> yeah, because after they do the gig in Morocco, they're a huge hit. Yeah, they're doing well. They love them. Because so I, I think making them failures until they get there is misguided. It should have just been okay. This is the norm for us. We, we you know we're always going to uh, weird places, and our agents always screwing us over by getting us these shitty gigs. But right. but like like his agents, like their agent says at the beginning, you're you're old. You're white, you're guys, you're not you're not gonna break in. You know, you're not yeah. you're not Simon and Garfunkel. No. Um You're not. So but then what they by by trying to do a road movie, they ma- took too many departures from what is a time tested structure, format. The biggest problem is the female lead who is the attract who is the the romantic interest of both main characters is dressed is mistaken as a boy both times yeah which is total bullshit and is, but and is heavily dressed so you can't see her at all she shows her boob in in one scene which was horribly unfunny yeah and it wasn't even wasn't even sexy there, there, yeah there's something there was some there was something almost like like a violation in that i almost felt like 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 it was weird it was, it was like, I, I felt bad for her and and even the line that the hoffman delivers was like Oh, look what you have there! Yeah, which should have been funny. But here's the other problem too, and this and that's a major problem. Those two characters, there's a major flaw that prevents you from really taking the characters seriously. I believe that their intention was we they wanted to make these two guys likable. Right. They wanted to make these guys lovable. Like we want them to be liked by the audience. The problem is they were too likable in the sense that they made when you had Bing Crosby, Bob Hope. They're both womanizers. They both yes. they both get in trouble, but they're always backstabbing each other. They're always taking swipes at each other. And and Bing and one of them's like the in some way like Bing Crosby's kind of the straight guy. He's still funny, but he's still the straight man, and there's still a superiority to it there. Right, right. So when they you take Dustin Hoffman and Warren Beatty, they make them equals, and where they're both clueless to the fact they're talentless, they're both. St- kind of stupid 
they're both Warren Beatty's more dumb, but you're right. More dumb, but they're, again, they're they're both clueless enough where they're both falling for stupid shit. So making Warren Beatty a bit dumber is like a cheat. They're yeah. both naive and innocent, right? Oh well, even uh, when the helicopter, they think they're getting saved, and the guy he's got a gun and he's waving, and Warren Beatty's like, "Yeah, he's got a gun." <laughs> Uh, and then Dustin Hoffman's like, stop being paranoid. Yeah, that, that was a good exchange, and it should have been funny. But, it wasn't. But what happens is these guys are so gullible and so naive and so innocent that you really don't, there's nothing really driving you, and there's nothing engaging with the characters. You don't even feel bad for them. Well, I mean, it, there's nothing, but there's nothing engaging. There's nothing where, like, I want to see what he does next. It's just, yeah, what now what's happening? Right. And it's just by trying to make the characters too likable, there's really nothing interesting about them. No, there isn't. Yeah, you're, and, and you're and right. I think that's a major flaw in the film. Now, when they're walking down the street in New York, right. it flashes in my mind. What? How different would the film be if they at least changed the dynamic a bit where Dustin Hoffman should have been playing Rizzo? <laughs> I'm walking here. Yeah. He should have been that kind of street smart. That kind of street smart. Well, you you know, um, uh, originally, uh, it was requested, and they fought for it, that the whole movie would take place in New York City. Did you know that? Uh, but then where, where would the blind camel come in? It wouldn't have. Okay. It would have been better for it. It would have been. But obviously, that, that didn't, they didn't get their wish, so they ended up shooting in morocco anyway but it was initially recommended um there there, you know what i wouldn't be surprised if there was the plot have been then that's a that's a big that's a big it's huge difference yeah it still would have been unfunny i but it would have taken place completely in new york but maybe it wouldn't have because maybe that would have changed the dynamic of the film and maybe it's they wouldn't make it they wouldn't not have been making a road movie so she so elaine would not have been uh, trying to make this road movie and at the same time try to, f- like, uh, reject... You never, re- you never know. It just seems weird. Uh, that's that's bizarre. But if, yeah. if he had been more street smart and and Warren Beatty's character was like, okay, yeah, I'm not street smart, but still, uh, you know, I, I'm, st- I'm still a guy. You know, I'm not right. stupid. I can tell a girl when I see him. And, and it's just, he, he was too lovable... They're both tr- they're both trying to be too lovable. Well, yeah. When Warren Beatty has the encounter with her, and he's on the ground with her, and he's got his hands on her chest to like help her up, he goes, "Are these breasts?" Yeah. Oh my God, you're so soft. And again, should have been funny. Should have been funny, and just just something there, and and also Charles Grodin's character. Right. If uh, this almost counts as taking out the trash, Charles Grodin's character, well. Perfect example. When they first leave, after their setup where where uh, Hoffman is working for the CIA and Beatty's working for the Arabs or right. whatever, Shiites, I forget which. Uh, Shiites. What, yeah. Um, they're being tailed by everybody. So, so, yes, they so are. They're pa- Everybody's looking for them. Now, what they do in the film doesn't work. They're all bumbling. So, everybody, so everybody's like re- pretending to read a paper and the minute Warren Beatty and Dustin Hoffman turn around, they all just like, they're all walking like five paces behind them. And every time they turn around, they're like, oh, I'm reading the paper. That That's that's good for like a Three Stooges routine. For a 50 million, whatever budget it was, 55, 50, yeah. $55 million dollar film, 
by making the governments just as bumbling, you really it, it cheapens cheapens the comedy. So you you got all these guys walking around acting like I, oh I don't know how to tell somebody without being seen. Well, like Matt Frewer. Yeah. Where they're where he's just like uh, yeah the guys in the Bermuda shorts. I've seen those agents before. I was so happy yeah. I saw Matt Frewer too. I was like it's Matt Frewer. Right, and then he's like, uh, his partner's like, well, what about the people in the Hawaiian shirts? He goes, those are tourists. Yeah. Again, <laughs> that To me, that was as close as funny as it got. Should have been a funny line. but It should have come off really funny, but it just it wasn't. But when all these government CIA agents th- that are tracking them are so inept, it detracts from the... You know what's a good example? The in-laws. The original or the remake? I- I've never the seen original. the remake because... Uh, uh, I'm afraid to see it. I, I know better. The original, obviously. The, obviously, the okay. guys are like you know they're, they're a bit off. Uh, uh, Alan Arkin doesn't know what he's doing. Peter Fox kind of a, a loose cannon, but the people they're up against aren't inept. You know what I'm saying? I know exactly what you're so, saying. Yes. And by the, I love the original in laws. Oh, film. it's excellent. Love it. And then Charles Grodin being kind of inept in his thing. Like at the end when the helicopter's like, they're shooting at us. It's, what? Stop being paranoid. Yeah, but, but, but no, I mean when the helicopter guy, when he calls in, they're shooting at us. They're armed to the teeth. Oh, yeah. And now we're shooting at Americans. And Charles Grunson, all right, all right, back it up. We'll, we'll say we made a mistake. But, yeah, but it's like <laughs> having everything. Like, But what I'm getting at, the guy in the helicopter, like, okay, so you can't shoot at them? It's like, we're, we're, we're this inept? That, you know, yeah, guy yes. with a rocket launch. Oh, turn around. We can't take there. Just yeah. All right. You know what? We have two more helicopters in the area. Yeah. Fuck you. Fuck you twice. And again, should have been funny. Do you, do, but do you know wasn't. why they why he did said that? Oh, fuck you. And then Warren Beatty said, "Fuck you twice." No, he said, "Fuck you twice." Not off the top of my head. No. There, you you know the rule. You can only you can only say "fuck" twice in a film. Oh. And, and keep like a, the keep the rating down. It was a PG at the time. Yes. So what happened was... And it was a, a bare breast, too. One bare breast. Warren, yes. From what I read, Warren Beatty had always wanted to say fuck twice in a film. Oh, but really? Dustin Hoffman had a fuck in there. So instead, Warren Beatty said, fuck you twice. So technically, it's two uh, fucks in there. <laughs> <laughs> Don't know if it's true. That's what I read. That's that's See, that's funnier than yeah. the, the actual delivered scene. Like, if... if if they had, if you had, fall, if we had watched Dustin Hoffman and Warren Beatty come out of the hotel, and we watched them being followed by all these people, and you could have made it funny just on the aspect of Jesus, there's like eighty people following these two guys. That's right. funny in itself. But when you turn it into like a slapstick comic routine, it just you, you're, it just, it's not funny anymore. <laughs> and Charles Grodin, I thought, I still, Charles Grodin should have been. He should have been the guy using these two guys to do everything he wants to do, kind of like in Hanky Panky, or um, I, I think Hanky Panky is a great example, the Gene Wilder film. Yes. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's the one where he's on the train. He sees uh, the person murdered. Yeah, and Gilda Radner. No, no, yes. not Silver Streak. It's not on a train. No. Isn't there uh, which one am I thinking? I think it's then? Silver Streak. Is it Silver Streak? Train, yeah, that's Silver Streak. Hanky okay. Panky still sees a murder, but it's 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 uh, and he's in the city. Um, but in that thing, like by by the end, he finally meets the, the secret the government agent. And he's like, "Yeah, we knew you guys were innocent all along. We've been following you because we can't approach this guy." See, they were using him the entire time. There's a, that's a remake, by the way, which I didn't realize till recently. I got to see the original Hanky Panky. I didn't know it was a remake. Oh really? Yeah, I admit I, I I always loved that. I film. didn't know. I that. always loved that film. Um, 
So Charles Grodin should have been that guy. It should have been where he's manipulating everything because he can't get close to the map or whatever they want to use because the map was a dumb idea. So, yeah, and then that that whole that whole promise, uh, two prophets, whatever in the map is so like romancing the stone or lo- uh, the sequel one. What was the one? Jewel of the Nile. Jewel of the Nile was the sequel. that kind of crap. <laughs> but I mean, but Charles Grodin should have been manipulating everything, and at the end, like, yeah, well, it all you know, it all turns out it, or. Whatever, or finally backfires at the end, but having right. Charles Grodin as inept throughout the film too is just there's no when the when the only person that's really not inept is the the, the boyish girl that everybody's falling for. Right, it, there's right. there's no there's no anchor to reality that let the humor come through. Very true. All right, so since you did a partial taking out the, the trash, I'm going to give you the sound file. Okay, yeah. there you go. <laughs> Thank you, sir. All right. So, are we done with Ishtar? I I think so. I mean, like I said, the the, the thing about it is, it's if the if the if Ishtar had not been mired in the over budget fiasco, which is Warren Beatty's and Elaine, what's her name, Elaine May, Elaine Elaine May. May's fault. It's their fault. His fault for not being a producer. Her fault for not knowing, you know, letting it get out of control and being allowed to let it get out of control. Right. Those two hold the bulk of responsibility if it wasn't for the the budget fiasco and the the length and all the stuff that came out of that it just would have been remembered as well it could have been funnier yeah no you're right and, because it, it it had all this uh the wiki said it best lore uh to it just with everything that went wrong is a bad it's it's infamous you know what if they had reined it in maybe she would have had more time to edit it and maybe if they weren't doing a different shot for each scene for Warren Beatty and for her, maybe they would have known what they were doing. True. And maybe they would have been able to edit it properly instead of like having to give it to them because they put it in a sue, and maybe it would have been funnier. I would love to see this director's cut they were talking about, and may- maybe it works. But I agree with the, the positive reviews as far as... I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what. When it gets released as a director's cover cut, uh, we should cover yeah. it. Only uh, we should briefly mention it if, let's say, it's still terrible and they don't really uh, get any new ground. Yeah. But, but right, exactly. But if it turns out to be completely different uh, and possibly good, we should definitely recover it. Mm-hmm. We should revisit it. Um, yeah, but, but all, all I'm saying is, and I, I think I've kind of said it in the past, but I'm just summing up. If it wasn't for all that hype. It would not have been remembered as being the worst film ever. It just would have been, oh, it's a, it was a comedy. It wasn't, and it didn't work. It, it didn't work. It wasn't that funny, but it wouldn't have ruined careers, and it wouldn't have been held up like that. So it, it's not as bad as all the hype is, but it is still essentially a bad comedy. Yes, it is. That, that's that. That's what it is. All right. So all right, let's go. Let's take a break. That's, and, that's, and, and, that's, uh, and, I'm, and I'm telling the truth. Telling tell, the truth tell, is dangerous, dangerous business. business. Telling the truth, the truth is, is, is can can be good sometimes. sometimes. Uh, <laughs> if yeah, telling the truth is a bitter herb. herb. <laughs> you know what? You right. know what's the most endearing part of that whole montage? Is when that? Warren Beatty is playing the piano and he's like and he's singing the pencils in his mouth. And doesn't hop and just walks over and just casually and takes just pulls it. Yeah, casually that scene right there. That showed that there was talent involved in that movie because that's, right. that was funny. It showed an intimacy between the two. It showed how they worked together. 
it was a very well that moment was perfect and if the whole film was as perfect as that moment it would have been funny yeah you're right that's it you're right all right so let's take a break when we come back uh we'll talk about my movie challenge to you all right okay you got it all right sit tight i I shall Did you know that you can listen to Movie Sucktastic all over the internet? In places like iTunes, Podfeed, Podcast Pickle, Podcast Pup, the Zoom Marketplace, and more. And you can listen to us at our very own website at moviesucktastic.com. We want you to be a part of the show, so let us know where you're listening from. You can email us at themovieguys at moviesucktastic.com or call our hotline and leave us a message at 908 514 4470. So come on and be a part of the movement that is Movie Sucktastic. Find out what all the suck is about. That was a short break. I, I, I have one more thing I had to, I wanted to mention. Okay. Uh, if you go to IMDb and check out the music credit. Oh, doesn't Warren Beatty have a credit on it? And Dustin Hoffman? Right, now, you know who does not have a credit in the, in the music section? Ellen May? Elaine May? Right. Well, if you read some reviews, they say, oh, Ellen, Elaine May wrote all the, all the music. You're right. I do remember reading That's that. That's wrong. If you go to, who wrote if it? You go to the official Ishtar the Movie site... Uh, which is like, it's like an official, unofficial fan page. I was doing my research through that. Only through that did I f- realize that a, a, if not a majority, a lot of the music written for the film and a lot that was not used, Paul Williams. No kidding. Paul Williams, of course, who is uh, well known for uh, the Rainbow Connection. Right, uh, right. Fam- uh, Phantom of the Paradise, one of my favorite films. Yeah, not one of mine. But. I've read interviews with him. He he wrote with them because the he's he was great with that kind of like uh, music that plays on the music industry, and he mm-hmm. was involved with the idea. Of, he wrote like hundreds of songs and whittled it down to the few that are in the film because the whole idea was it had to be a bad song, but it still had to be a good song for a for a movie. Right. And he, yeah. Go ahead. No, no. I was I, I was going to say uh, that Dustin Hoffman and Warren Beatty. And it's a little, it's not off topic, it's about the music. But another reason why the film was delayed so often was because that they practiced these songs. Because they genu- because they were perfectionists. They genuinely wanted to make make it sound good. Yeah. Or uh, good as two lousy lounge singers. At least, uh, they. W- I mean, it was, it was reported that it would be days, if not maybe even a week to 10 days or more or longer that Warren Beatty and Dustin Hoffman would practice practice these songs and they wouldn't be filming anything. So that, that's that's again that's going too far into it. These oh, are yeah. these are consummate actors being allowed to, and and Warren Beatty even producer should have known better. He really should yeah. have. So and they they I think he learned his lesson with later films. Yeah. That he did. Um, like like Dick Tracy could have got completely out of control. Yeah. That that that's that got to come up soon too. 
But yeah, we got to do that. And, and Paul Williams says that he wrote, he worked with Elaine May and Warren Beatty and, and Dustin Hoffman too. They all worked together on these songs. But Paul right. Williams wrote a fair number of these songs. And also, what I found out, there was a soundtrack made. And you're and right. The soundtrack was all these songs, and they had even the the end credits. Uh, when you listen to the end credits, what what was originally supposed to play over the end credits were all of the songs that they in the film that they wrote, sung by major stars, like real like oh. like real musicians, and like and done professionally. So like you'd have like obviously like or like uh, like 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 Simon and Garfunkel, yeah, or, or like just, Lady Gaga yeah. for modern day. Like they would just pick major stars like, and have them singing, sting. yeah, have them singing their songs in a, in like a studio made song. Like for the album, and they had an album plan with all that, and the film was so horrible that they canned it. Yeah, and I'm sure because it went so over budget, they said, "You know what? Let's not spend." The no, money they on did this. it. I'm saying, I'm saying they did it, but they didn't. They they canned it. Wait a minute. So the so what you're saying is there's a, somewhere Paul somewhere from out what there. I read, Paul Williams says it, this, the the music was recorded, but they did not use it in the end credits because of all the negative press up up to the editing. And the, and the soundtrack was never released because of the negative press, but it do, is its existence. I've got to hear this. Apparently, it's 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 like locked away somewhere. It's not available. I, so I've got I got I got to figure out a way to hear this. I, I, and again, this is one interview I read with Paul Williams, so I don't know how factual it is, but there it is. And I had to get that out there because I I was really Paul uh, Paul Williams is, is I, I love Paul Williams, and I just had to I right. mentioned that. Wow, that's interesting stuff. Oh. All right, so what do you want to do? Do you want to? I, we don't have time for no. We don't. Now. See, I, I told you that's why we did that last. Um, yeah, so <laughs> we can do it next week mm -hmm. uh, with my challenge to you. Now, and if we have time, we'll do my challenge to you for the new segment that we have for uh, the home game or the straight to video. Okay. So, All right. So there's a lot of things, you know, there's a lot of pots boiling right now with uh, with what we can do for next week, but we'll definitely do my challenge to you obviously, and we'll definitely do attack the block. So we won't make it everyone wait uh again for attack the block. We'll just see if we can do my second challenge, the straight to video challenge. Right. If we can't, that'll always that can just get poured over into the following you week. You know, you know, I also didn't mention Frishtar. The that? least funny part of the whole film. <laughs> Dustin Hoff Which Dustin is? Hoffman pretending to be the translator. Oh yeah. Just the wow. This this is the this con if you had pitched this at a at a table, it wouldn't have been funny. Like this is <laughs> this is so like like nineteen seventies. Yes. Pardon me. Yes it is. And it, so oh, I'm sorry. No 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 no. I was, just, ahead, I was saying so it can be done funny, but that it's one of those cliches that is so overdone, you really have to be good to get it done right. And they weren't even right. they weren't even close to getting that funny. That's all. I'm sorry. Yeah. No. It, you're, there's you're so right. much bad about uh, the film. It, it, it there's over. truly, truly. I mean, this this episode is going to be over two hours, and it's because we we spent a lot of time on the top ten. We spent a lot of fault. time on Ishtar. Not really. It was. Not really. Sure. There was six new movies to talk about. You, if you hadn't brought up Creature, <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad I did. <laughs> I gotta see uh, that. Do you want to read from the terrible game? I I I have, I have misplaced my copy of the book. <laughs> Are you kidding? Dude, I, I, I've been re I've been reorganizing the Wilson Compound attic. I'm getting it. Uh, so you're gonna deny everyone the next installment to the terrible I, game? I, I'm peeking around. Right oh, there it is. No, we're doing it. 
Okay. Found it. I found it. Okay. Very nice. I, I, you let me know when you need music. Give me one second. I got to. Uh, oh yeah. What a queer way to spend the summers where we left off. That is where we left off. All right. I'll keep this. I, I'll keep this a little short. Yeah. Give me. Give me some music right. here, there, sir. Go for it. The next installment of the terrible game by Dan Tyler Moore. Early the next morning, he felt a hand on his shoulder and opened his eyes. It was his father. He had on only. He had on. <laughs> I'm sorry. Ah! I'm, so, I'm sorry. He had on only one garment, a pair of shiny coal black leather pants fastened around his waist by heavy rawhide thongs. <laughs> Jonathan rubbed his eyes and blinked. Then he sniffed. There was a strong smell of olive oil. Seemed to. Oh dear lord. Seemed to come. Did I get the right book? No, it's the right book. Seemed to come from his father's pants. <laughs> They stretched to below his knees, where they were fastened by rawhide thongs. He saw that his feet were bare, and that he had another pair of identical pants hanging over his arm. There was a broad smile on his face. Marhaba, Nasil Siniz, he said. Jonathan grinned. Where had his father learned to say hello in Turkish? He would show him. He would answer in the same language. Liam sees Nasil Siniz. Then he shifted to English. Is it time to get up already? Part of our deal, his father said. His, his father said, handing him his the pants, is that is that we speak Turkish. Not a word of English until five o'clock in the afternoon. After a week, we speak nothing but Turkish at any time, unless we have guests or unless there's an emergency. He adjusted the thong around his waist. <laughs> I'm going to be easy on you for two days, Jonathan. <laughs> After that, if you speak even one word of English before five o'clock, you lose a whole day's pay. He turned to go. Maybe you wondered why I had you take Turkish lessons at Yale. Your professor wrote me that you learned fast, said you could already speak pretty good conversational Turkish. Jonathan had loved Turkish, even though he hadn't understood why his father wanted him to take it. As his tongue slipped easily back into the soft S's that were so characteristic of the language, he was glad that he had studied so hard, hard enough to get an A for the year's work. Jonathan took the leather pants and pulled them on and sniffed olive oil. He had a little trouble fastening the thongs around his waist and below the knee, as his father had. Why? Shut up. Now, now, hold yourself, sir. I'm trying. Why the queer pants? He asked in Turkish. And why do they smell like a tossed chef salad? <laughs> I'm going to finish this. There. Oh. There, they are for Asiatic wrestling, his father pointed to the list. We're going to do it every morning from 10 to 10.30. You'll find out soon enough why they smell that way. <laughs> I gotta stop there. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh. Oh my god, this is just getting better and better. And I, I'm not reading ahead. You I'm know. not reading ahead, just so you know. Um, oh, after last wow. after last week, I was like, well, that was kind of funny with, with the queer references, but I, I'm, right. I'm sure that's going to be the end of that. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> How did you acquire this book again? It took me a while because I didn't want to pay for it. Uh, I, I got it in a trade online. Oh, okay. Um, but... So you've always known about it, though. Oh, for years I've been trying to get it, because this is what they, Jim Cotta is based on. Right, uh, right, which is one of our favorite bad movies. <laughs> First bad movie day, we covered that. Oh, okay. Olive oil. 
out of here. <laughs> oddly enough, oddly enough, uh, I'm gonna get in. <laughs> I'm gonna get into my movie challenge to you. Okay. And uh, there's some interesting. Uh, there is some interesting information about Jack Weston and his family. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, did you look into this no. at all when we talked? I, want, I wanted okay, to hear good. from you. All right, perfect. Okay. Now, Jack Weston, potentially, and again, before I give you my movie challenge, I like to go over what movies I could have challenged you to. It's a thing that we like to do. Yeah. Uh, Jack Weston, the, the movie that I could have challenged you to, but I decided not to, he was in Dirty Dancing. And I just thought, it's been on so many times. Uh, I've, I've seen it uh, fully, in full, once or twice. And it's just, I, I just don't think it would have been a fun interview uh, review. So, but in doing research, I came across Jack Weston, whose real name is Jack Weinstein. Uh-huh. Who, because you know how when you go look up information on someone, it'll say uh, brother of, if they're also famous, mm-hmm. uh, says brother of whoever, uh, uh, grand or uncle to whoever. Well, apparently... And I have it here. His brother, his name is Anthony Weinstein, but went under the under the pseudonym Anthony. Oh, I'm sorry. His his real name is Samuel Weinstein, but went under the pseudonym Anthony Spinelli, who has directed quite a few porno movies. Really, <laughs> dude. Which ones? There's there's. I'm gonna read off some of my favorite titles here. I mean, I may know some of these. Read off some names here. Uh, you, you may. What, what, you what may. time period of porn are we talking about? Uh, from 1971, he directed porno from 1971 to 1997, and then later died in in 2000. Okay, so there's a good chance but, I might have seen or heard of some of these. Okay. Well, get this: uh, Samuel Weinstein uh, or Mitch Spinelli. Uh, he he also is a director of porn. And he directed from 1992 all the way up until 2004. Uh-huh. And I have some favorite titles of his. I okay. Like. All right. Here you go. Uh, Anthony Spinelli has directed films, titles such as Succula. Okay. Aunt Peg's Fulfillment. Aunt Peg, she, now, she was very popular in the 70s. She was she was an older. You never get her nowadays. She was like an older female, uh, okay. and, and she really played to like the. You're you're being serious. I'm right dead now. serious. Yeah, her name her okay. name was Aunt Peg, and she was an older woman, uh, middle okay. age, maybe a little older, and she was in a lot of films. That was around the same period as uh, Desiree Cousteau. She was in a couple of Desiree Cousteau films too. It, it was she was that was part of the whole woman's movement where instead of getting these these pretty bimbos or whatever, you you right. had like Aunt Peg type characters who were natural older women it was led into the whole mother type too like the t- okay. taboo series All with right. the incest uh then he did he directed in uh 1986 a film called and i do windows too <laughs> <laughs> that's a great poor name <laughs> uh white men can hump ah uh, obviously these are all like 1992 yeah. well that's the year white men can't jump uh, was released. Yeah. so but the, what I find interesting about it is his brother is a film actor, and I'm assuming that he probably was toying with the idea of breaking in the film, but couldn't do it. 
So he decided to break into porn, mm-hmm. and in doing so, uh, in doing so, he ended up making movies based on film titles, or not all of them, but some uh-huh. of them. Uh, like another favorite of mine is Batwoman and Catgirl. Ah, uh, I, I Princess think... Orgasma and the Magic Bed. Hold on, I think I've seen Batwoman and Catgirl. Probably. I think I have. All right. What else? Uh, let's see. Revenge of the Pussy Suckers from Mars. Yeah, that's that's classic sci-fi there. And last but not least, Pulp Friction. <laughs> I don't think I've seen that one. Uh, I I don't think I've seen any of them. I've heard of them, obviously. Uh, his son. His Actually, son is, um, do you have the full list in front of you? I sure do. That, that, that one that had the Aunt Peg. Yeah. Give me some other titles from that time period, around the Aunt Peg time period. Just rattle okay. off a few real quick. Uh, let's see. You got Talk Dirty to oh, Me. Oh, that's a, that was like the there was a whole series of those. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you have just Aunt Peg. Uh huh. Uh, the dancers, nothing to hide. Nothing to hide. I recognize uh, that. Between between the sheets, that's another famous yes, one. Yes, definitely. Um, let's see. A movie called Easy, Dixie Ray, Hollywood star. Easy, easy. <laughs> I recognize. Uh, yeah, like Bucky Larson, Born to be yeah. a Star, Dixie Ray, Hollywood Star, Hotline. Hotline. Uh, let's see. Expectations, Sunny Days, China Sisters, Confessions of a Woman. Now, I guarantee you, out of those titles you just read, Ron, Ron yes. Jeremy's in exactly 25% of those. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe more. You can almost guarantee it. Uh, then you got High School Memories, Skin on Skin, Spectators, Real People. That's all within like a five-year period. Yeah. All right, now his, they, they took, his, took, his grandson... They, they took longer to make him back then. They didn't, like, crank him out in a week. No, they didn't. You're right. His grandson, uh, he's been directing films since 1992, and he's directed films such as Butt Sizer 2, The King of the Rears. Mm, okay. Foreskin Gump. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Plum and Plumber. <laughs> what? Plum, a, is that Plum or Plump? Plum. I, I don't... I'm sorry. Plum and Dumber. I'm sorry. Plum? I still don't... Plum and Dumber. even less sense. Okay. Yes, I know. A rear and pleasant danger. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he, he and he's done more like normal, like everyday, what you would normally see titled porn, like uh, Asses in the Air, I Got Banged, uh, I want to be your fuck doll, things like that. So he's a re- regular porno director, but he threw in the movie stuff every once in a while because that's his family's background. Uh-huh. So I just thought that was interesting sure. that Jack Weston or Jack Weinstein, uh, his, you know, his brother and his grandson are like these huge porno directors. Mm-hmm. And Jack Weston, by the way, I, I he's a great comedic actor. Yes, he is excellent, uh, and he's always been good at playing like a bad guy too. He, yep. like he's 50 50 he's really good and he's been around for ages obviously yes he has all right so moving on with the movie yes. challenges uh another thing that i was l- looking into is uh tess harper which plays warren Beatty's wife uh she was in the absolutely atrocious amityville amityville 3d Ooh, wow and i i decided not to go for that just because i i don't know uh we're getting close to halloween and i just I figure we're going to talk more Halloween stuff next mm-hmm. month. So, and I just didn't feel like watching Amityville 3D. Uh, then you got 
um, Carol Kane. Carol Kane, yeah. And I was thinking, and this isn't a bad film. I actually like this film, but I was looking for an excuse to watch it, and then I realized I don't have to challenge it to you <laughs> to watch it because I think it would have been um, sure. a disingenuine review because I like the film, and I, from what I understand, I think you do too, and that's Joe versus the Volcano. That's interesting you bring that up because I just revisited that recently, and, okay. and I think it's a very underrated movie. And I always thought there's so, a too. level there's a level of um, genius to that film that's not not recognized. And if, if you look at that film from two or three different, we we could do an episode on Joe versus the volcano just as like film goers, not, yes. not bad movie goers. I, yes. I think it's just a film that that most audiences weren't prepared to watch. And if, I think if they right. did it, that today and released it, it would have gotten slightly better. Uh, and also, you got Tom Hanks and uh, Meg Ryan in it back when they were doing, you know, comedies and shit. I, I, no yes. one, no one that watched them wanted. Meg Ryan plays like three characters yeah, in the movie. Yeah, but think. I don't think the public was prepared for those two in a film that wasn't just a straight comedy. Right, like the scene that you posted about uh, Joe quitting his job. God, I love that scene. Great God, scene. God, I love that. I watched that seven times. Like all. Oh. And the thing is, you could you, you now after seeing Tom Hanks winning a couple of Oscars, you can see back then it's like you saw that he had the potential mm -hmm. to do more than just comedy, yeah. which I thought was oh, interesting. Uh, so uh, favorite, and my, then my there was part of that scene is where he's like, "I should kill you." <laughs> 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 uh, then you have uh, I believe I'm pronouncing this right. I'm not sure. Nayi Rashed, who was in Navy Seals. And I decided not to challenge you to Navy Seals. Thank you. It was actually on the other day, and I watched some of it. And even though it's it, it's not a good film, I just don't think it's bad enough. Now, now the the, the one the person that, what's the name of the kid? The kid that saves them in the film, the young kid, um, and it comes up at the end. Ishtar is the only um, film he's ever been in. Oh, is it really? This is, uh, he actually came up in a, a top ten list somewhere of uh, top ten saddest IMDb uh, actor pages. Oh, really? And, <laughs> and his because that's the only film he ever starred in, and he he kind of like went went his own way after that and didn't. He would he would yeah he was the one driving. He was like I was looking for you the whole yeah, time. That, that guy. That's his yeah. only film he ever made. So he's his, when you go to his IMDb actor page, it's Ishtar. That's it. Just Ishtar. Yeah. Uh, then uh, Tony Head. Who was in the film Head of State? That's the one with Chris Rock. Uh, oh, was, that's the one where he. That's uh, the one that should have been called the first black president. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I decided not against uh, to not do that because we've mentioned it before. We haven't reviewed it, but we have mentioned mm -hmm. it, and we did talk about it. So here is your challenge, sir. Uh, it is Matt Frewer. Matt Frewer. Oh, now can can I can I guess? You can guess. Matt Frewer. Hang on one second. Or should. Uh, you can't, don't, don't look, look, you're not uh, guessing if I, I hear you okay, typing. Right. I'm not looking. I'm not typing. Matt Frewer. Oh, bad movies. Is it? Is it the one with Dabney Coleman? Uh, no, that's the one where Dabney Coleman thinks he's yes, dying. Yes, that's Short Time. Short Time. I liked Short Time. Short Time had a couple of good scenes. It should have been better, but they just didn't play. It, it's really hard to do a comedy about someone who thinks they're dying, and it. It, yeah. it it almost made it. It had a best one of the best car chases ever. Right Loved now, the the, your your challenge, yes. Matt Frewer really isn't in it that much. Um, 
Give me an actor. Give you a Give hint. Give you an actor. Uh, Helen Helen Slater. Wait, wait, he's not in it much. Is the he's got a very small part, but Helen Slater is the lead actress. It's a small part. What, what's what? his small part in the film? Brewers. Um, you know what? I haven't seen it in forever. Oh, never mind. I, I I couldn't tell you. Really? I really couldn't. Okay. I. Yeah, I I, I couldn't. Helen tell Slater. You. What's she been in? What else? I, I'm trying to. Helen Slater. She was in uh, the Legend of Billie Jean. Oh, her. Okay. Yes. Uh, no clue. Another hint. Uh, it has Faye Dunaway as the villain. That's the villain. There's a villain. Okay. Came out in 1984. Oh, 80s. That's always good. Yeah. Uh, uh, Peter O'Toole. Oh, oh, it? oh. He has a small oh, part. Hang on, hang on. 84, Peter O'Toole. I'm going to say High Spirits. No, that was actually a little later. That was uh, like 86, 87, I believe. Steve Gutenberg. Yeah, that's yeah, that's that's the one where like the, the best part of the whole film is the opening where you hear Peter O'Toole drunk talking to somebody on the phone. Right. And after that like it is like hilarious the dialogue and after that Let let's let's put it this way. Matt Frewer is in this movie because yeah. uh, I'm looking at his credit uh-huh. now. He's a he plays Eddie the truck driver. So it is so Eddie small. The truck driver. Okay. Yeah, I'm not going to guess this. You might as well tip me tip it to me. Okay. Uh, it is the 1984 Abomination Supergirl. Oh, wow! <laughs> Peter O'Toole's in it? I mean, Matt Frewer's a Yeah, he plays Zoltar when she's on the no, no, planet. Peter O'Toole, I remember. I'm saying Jack Frewer plays a truck driver in that? Matt Frewer, he plays a truck driver. Wow. Eddie. Supergirl. Wow. You're, you're So you're going into the comic book realm, eh? I thought it was a nice change. You know what? This is fortuitous because I was just talking to Don Smith. Uh, mm-hmm. This is a writer that we we know, uh, friend yes. of the show, and he he wants to. I told him that we're doing Skype. He said, "Well, can you guys get me on a three way?" And I said, "Yes." And after that, we'll get you on the show, and and we'll we'll do it through Skype. Yeah, that, that's easy. And he was asking. He does. He's a comic book reviewer on top of other things. Right. And he said, "Well, right. you want to do comic book films? I don't know. We talk to Joey, see what he wants to do. This is the perfect opportunity to bring Don in on a show." We can bring him in for Supergirl next weekend. Uh, yeah, uh, we'll talk later about it, but we, have, no, I we mean, might have a guest on the show I, next week. Because we're a few days late, I would normally, uh, I mean, we could record Wednesday night. We can do it Wednesday Thursday, Wednesday or Thursday. I'll, I'll, I'll talk to Don and see what we do. Talk to Don. So and, we might we might yeah. be having a guest for the show, so uh, hang tight. And, and, and he, he will, yeah. I guarantee you, a lot of it will be about the differences between, I'm not even going to research like the, the difference between the comic book and, and the movie. I'll leave that for Don. <laughs> Yeah, please. I'm not. I'm not going to do it either. I'm just going to review it as a bad movie. And Don, he could absolutely come in with as many facts as he wants. But you have a slew of actors and actresses to challenge. I mean, you got Faye Dunaway. You have Helen Slater, Peter O'Toole. You have Mia Farrow. Uh, I can always take. You have the, Brenda Fakara, Peter Cook. I mean, you have a smorgasbord of actors to. Uh, I can- to choose a bad movie and for I me. And I could always just take the superhero movie route if I wanted to, too. Yes, you absolutely could choose me to just... You can choose choose any superhero film to challenge me to because of the theme. Uh-huh. So, so that's your challenge, sir. Supergirl. I hope you enjoy oh, that Now, is that available on streaming? Uh, I don't believe it is, but as always, uh, you can borrow from my vast movie yeah, collection. Yeah, shut up. Uh, no, <laughs> my, mine's pretty vast too. We just collect different things. We do collect different things, 
but uh, yes, Supergirl. I actually saw that in the theater. Really? 1980. Yes. Wow. Yes. I, I I remember seeing that on cable. I, I lucked out. Oh no, I I I was present. As a matter of fact, not only was I present, I was huge into Superman growing up. Huge. And when I heard there was a Supergirl movie, I was just like, I was like, this is gonna be great. Okay, okay real. And 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 at uh, eight years old, at eight years old, I knew this was a bad movie. Oh, yeah, it's kind of hard to avoid. Real, now, real yeah. quick, Ishtar, you're not looking at the IMDb screen or anything, are you? No. What, what was guess what the what the rating was on Ishtar? Star rating. I bet it, it was probably under from anywhere from three and a half to just under Ooh, four. 3.8. Yeah, you you nailed it. Wow. Now I, I just looked at Supergirl real quick. How many stars on Netflix? One and a half. Exactly one and a half. Awesome, sir. And on <laughs> and on IMDb, well, how many stars? Two and a half. Ooh, you shot low on that one. Four point one. Oh, okay. Because she she is still hot. I love Helen Slater. I always loved watch uh, like when uh, Legend of Billie Jean was on cable, and I we'd always get the TV guide every every month, and it was always funny to read the synopsis. It would say Helen Slater along with her brother Christian Slater in parentheses not related. It would always say that, and I was like, "I don't give a fuck if but, they're related." But he's he's her brother. I don't understand. There was a no, movie no, that no, she I'm had. I'm, I'm saying. Yeah. Yes. Yes. There, there was a movie that she did that was part. Um. It, it was part movie, but also part breakfast uh, cereal. What? Yeah. No. Uh. It. Come on. It. It was like all these actresses in the Use film. Your words. They were, yeah, they were put in uh, scenes together where they were just allowed to just talk. So it's partly improvised. Uh, no. no. Well, see, improvised usually means that you're still making shit up when you're talking. Uh, but a lot of these scenes in the movie, from what I understand, were, like, for instance, they're all hanging, uh, I, I don't remember if it's a hot tub or if they're just hanging around, like, the room or on uh, just talking, bullshitting. Well, someone brings up, "Have you ever? has anyone here ever been with another woman? And Helen Slater admits that she has, and it was the, one of the most amazing experiences of her life. Uh-huh. And that, it was, and she was completely honest about what it. What film was this? Ali Sheedy. I, um, you know what? Let me get it for you. Let's see. I know but I can find Does it have the lesbian quick. scene did, in did, it? Did, because- no, no. It was just, it's just them talking. It was just them talking. I believe it was in the mid-90s that this came out. Uh, let's see. It was... Lassie. No. It was Lassie, yes. No. Um, it was on Showtime. It was a Showtime movie, oh, I believe. You're mentioning, like, cable movies and stuff? Uh-huh. I'm, I'm just I was just talking about Helen Slater and how she's hot and that she liked eating women's vagina easy there you and you don't know that's what happened it could have been so she admitted it but, but all right never mind listen no, no, you no, could no, absolutely no you could absolutely tell in this movie that what she was admitting was oh, truth oh, i'm not saying she would never mind I, I i would draw from the from the conversation uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh you know and what? she also does windows she also does windows yeah. too uh, none of these titles. No, parallel lives. No, it's not it. 
Yes, Parallel is Lives. It? <laughs> yes, it is. Um, because it says a uh, nostalgic look at the typical class reunion of a group of a group after about a quarter of a century going their separate waves after graduation. But it's all famous people. Uh, wait a minute. No, that's it's not, not it. it. Cause Jim Belushi's in it. No, that's not it's it. It's not it. And there's a dead body in it, too. Yes, and there that's is. That's not it. It's, it's Chantilly Lace. Chantilly Lace? Chantilly Lace. Because Ali Sheedy... a bottle of wine in a good old time. Ali Sheedy, Ali Sheedy also admits uh, in, in the scene that she uh, is a lesbian. Which she has, you know, come out of the closet in recent years. Uh-huh. So, and she gets very emotional during the scene because she's never admitted it to sure anybody. Are you sure it's them and it's not the characters? Yes. You should watch this movie then. It's called Chantilly Lace. It came out I, in right, 1993. Dude, mo- most of the dialogue was improvised by the cast who were given extraordinary creative control over their own characters, even drawing straws to determine which of their characters would die in the story. Uh, it, it, it was the characters. They weren't admitting to their own sexual exploits. No. Ali Sheedy gets extremely emotional when she had uh, talked but, about it. But they can still be actresses and get extremely emotional. They're actor that's what they do, Joey. What I'm what I'm reading here. But she but she's come out of the closet. So doesn't mean that doesn't I'm sh- Come on, it was it was a way for her to come out of the closet um, no, during the I'm show. sure, yeah. But 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 that doesn't mean they weren't playing characters at the time. Just watch the. Don't watch the movie. Just watch the scene, and you tell me. I'm taking things out of context. I can't do this, sir. If 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 it doesn't come off as just more genuine, even though they had artistic freedom. Yeah, but but again, that. You know what? We're running long talking about. Just because her character confessed to lesbian sex doesn't mean she's had lesbian sex. That's I beg to differ. I I, believe me. I I I agree with you that it's the preferable thing to believe, (laughs) but. You know, I, I can't hang on to that. All right, let's 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 end well, this this epic of a so, show. What's our runtime right now? I gotta know. It's too long. Oh, come on. Um, two hours and twenty nine minutes. Well, we're st- we're still longer. We're still shorter than an average outside the cinema show. <laughs> uh, we're 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 coming. See, close. this is outside the cinema. We'd have we'd have like forty five minutes of uh, phone conversations to to, to uh, play next. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> That that is so, that so is true. So we're actually under time, as far as I. We are under time, <laughs> and if all right, so we're ending the show. What? Uh, thank you for joining us. We're ending it right now. Music is playing. I don't want to go long on the music. Tell the truth. Uh, if, you, if, you, if you if you if you yeah, if you want to email us, email us at the movie guys at moviesucktastic If you want to leave us voicemail, it's 908-514-4470 this before uh, Wednesday or Thursday call that number and tell us what you thought of Supergirl so we can play that on the show exactly keep going I'm exactly. sorry to interrupt no um, moviesucktastic.com uh, check out our blog all that good stuff so and just remember telling the truth is dangerous business why honestly because <laughs> honest and 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 uh, popular don't go hand in hand. If you there if you, you admit you can play the accordion, you're not going to get hired for a rock and roll band. Very Thank nice. You. All right, everybody. Happy trails. We'll, we'll happy trails. We'll see y'all. We'll we'll talk to y'all next week. We'll we'll, 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 we'll talk on the show and you'll hear. Yes. 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 <laughs> yeah. You ran out of music and now now this is awkward. <laughs> <laughs> it always is with me. Yeah. Uh-huh. All right. We'll see you Bye. next week. Bye.